1: The view from our side of the cockpit door, with your host Captain Jeff broadcasting live from a hotel studio in Rapid City, South Dakota. Today's show is recorded on the 28th of January, 2022. Today's episode, a Gulfstream is destroyed in an emergency landing in the Dominican Republic. There's a stowaway in the landing gear compartment of a 747 freighter in Amsterdam. More news, your feedback, and today's plane tale. So get all settled in. Tray tables and seat backs in the upright and locked positions. Electronic devices powered on. I'm Radio Roger, and Flight 507 is ready for pushback.
2: Thank you. Radio Roger, he's an award-winning TV and radio reporter, currently at the number one all-news station in the nation. 1010 wins in
3: New York City!
2: And welcome to the Airline Pilot Guys Show. It's an aviation podcast covering the latest in aviation news and your great feedback. I'm Captain Jeff, a pilot at a major legacy airline based in Atlanta, GA, and joining us today, or me, from his, no, from her lakeside studio. In South, Dr. Skydiver, marathon runner, strength training junkie, IPA connoisseur, and commercial multi-engine instrument rated backstabbing jumper dumper, Dr. Steph.
4: Hey, Captain Jeff. I am so glad to be back this week. Really looking forward to a great show and glad to see all you guys.
2: And also joining us from, his home studio in the Valley of the Sun, world traveler, airplane mechanic, Brightling Cognoscenti, fitness-hound, and international air freight captain. It's Miami Rick. Hey, everybody. This might well as, well as, well as, well as well be the Valley of the Wind. It's been windy as heck all day today. But
5: uh, happy to be back.
2: Ready to talk some airplanes. Awesome. And from her studio in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, retired financier and aviation enthusiast, spreadsheet master, and our producer, director, Ms. Liz Piper. Hi, everybody. Hello. And joining us again from his home studio in the air capital, low and slow pilot, Airplane mechanic, enthusiast, and engineer in the aerospace and defense industry, it's Nick Camacho. Hey, guys. I'm glad to be back with you again. (laughs) We are glad you're here as well. And before we move on, we would like to mention that uh, the co-host that uh, is missing today... Uh, Is missing for a very good reason, and he uh, asked us to read something to you. And this is, of course, Captain Nick Anderson. He says, Hi, everyone. I must start by saying that rumors of my demise have been greatly exaggerated, but I apologize for being absent, and in particular for not getting a plain tale done this week. I've mentioned it before, but shortly after I joined Virgin, I fell foul of a heart issue. The company and the CAA were great, and I was back in the air after six months. I always knew it might reoccur, and the other day, it did. I'm in hospital, undergoing a raft of tests, and I'm confident I'll be as right as rain soon. Please don't be concerned. I'm in good hands, and looking forward to getting back on the show. Nick Anderson. And we are as well, all our thoughts and prayers are, you know, focused on you and your caregivers, Nick. And we hope that uh, you're 100% uh, shortly and back with us as soon as possible.
4: Absolutely. Get well soon, Nick.
6: Absolutely.
2: Look forward to seeing you again soon. Can't wait. Yeah. All right. So, what
6: Nick, uh just, sorry, Jeff, just before you go on, somebody's saying could they send him a card? Can they is there an address to send him a card? Should we give them our post box or what would you think or
2: uh, um I think
4: stand by on that information,
2: yeah. I'm sure. not sure how we would want to <laughs> do that yeah, okay. because it's all right. sending it all the way here and then all the way back. I mean I it, know it could be yeah. months before he ever. And hopefully got we're not
4: something. talking about any, you know, lengthy you know yeah
2: thing going on hopefully here. this I is think just is. a short-term thing so. yeah, she, yeah. He should be he should be out of there let me yeah, let, uh, let me yeah. talk to so,
6: jilly about yeah. that jeff okay. and i'll see if she wants it sent there okay, okay.
2: Uh, liz is going to talk to uh nick's better half about that and we'll we'll see we'll uh hopefully have that information for you before we end today's show and if not look for it in the show notes and with that in honor in nick's honor let's do some aviation news what do you guys think Let's do it. All
0: right. Stand by
1: for news.
2: This from the Aviation Herald. A hop exclamation point. Embraer ERJ-170 on behalf of Air France, registration Foxtrot Hotel boc, Box Box Stop, uh, Bravo X-Ray Golf, performing flight 1671 from Lyon to Cannes, I guess, France, uh, was en route at flight level 280, about 70 nautical miles southeast of Paris, Paris, when the aircraft was overflown by a Cessna 550 business jet. Wait, yeah, wait, 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 wait. Yeah.
5: What? how did that guy have the flaps out still or <laughs> no i'm just kidding i'm just kidding wow. Wow. i'm
2: offended, uh,
4: <laughs> <laughs> I'm offended uh, at airlinepilotguy.com
2: <laughs> i apologize Same we're starting right off the bat with the offense yes okay
4: offense or offense, er,
2: okay. Cutting off. offense. <laughs> yeah yeah well here we go um Anyway, the Cessna 550 business jet had been cleared to climb to flight level 270. Both aircraft were able to continue to their destinations without further incidents. The BEA reported the Cessna 550 performing a flight from paris Le Bourget to Geneva, Switzerland, encountered problems with their autopilot while climbing through flight level 230. The pitch angle increased and the aircraft suffered a load factor. Not sure exactly That's, what they yeah, mean.
5: That might be when that happens. Especially No, I hate part. it when I
2: <laughs> suffer a load factor. Uh, the aircraft had been cleared to climb to flight level two seven zero, but overflew the Embraer ERJ-170 that was en route at 280. The Cessna crew reported they had a malfunction of the number one altitude and speed indication system. The transponder therefore reported erroneously they were on flight level two seven zero this created a loss of separation with the potential of a collision without triggering TCAS the BEA rated the occurrence an incident only uh, incident only and opened an investigation
5: All right, I must, I must i must stand corrected here i thought the um the 550 overflying the embraer was you know on the i guess lateral way or just past it but this is i guess it it overclimbed it i guess so yeah so uh, that 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 makes
3: sense
2: yeah so yeah, apparently that was a potential collision there and uh, I thought there was some other information that I had read regarding this. Huh. No, maybe not. Maybe I'm thinking of another incident. But uh is that all we know about that?
4: Yeah, I mean,
2: I guess. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess hmm.
5: the Okay, problem with the autopilot is they're so that clearly they were they're they took manual control which is what you're supposed to do which is good through flight level two three zero which is fine you don't need autopilot till two eight zero anyway so that's mm-hmm. legal yeah. um so yeah i mean that not not a lot of information there i don't
2: uh, i don't think it sounds to me like maybe one of the uh altitude speed indication systems uh was in error and that in, was the one yeah. that was Um, associated with that particular autopilot and maybe they didn't recognize it quickly enough to, but as you say, Rick, just turn everything off, try to figure out what's going on. Oh, it looks Mm -hmm. like your system is good. Let's go ahead and re-engage the autopilot with that one, not this one, you know, but maybe it just happened so fast that they.
5: Yeah. And it's it's perhaps, um, I don't know, perhaps good to to remind uh, folks out there that past a certain point, depending on the country, you go through what's called transition altitude um where you stop referencing your local um uh, altimeter setting and start referencing what's called um uh, uh q n e um and uh twenty nine ninety two so it's uh, everybody is referencing twenty nine ninety two for that specific reason so that everyone is guaranteed the separation uh that needs to be there for you know first of all safety um so um and the reason why you can't have uh, you can't be hand flying past flight level two eight zero two nine zero because uh R V S M starts there, and your separation goes down to a thousand feet vertically, which is uh, sounds like a lot, but you know when you have it's two not. airplanes coming at each other <laughs> with a closure rate of you know almost Mach two, it uh, it's really not a lot. So you need. Is to, that
4: the need... same in every country too, Rick? The um R V S M altitudes or does the, that? The very, no, yeah, that's so same, RV, RVSM, that's RVSM level.
5: is, yeah, it's, it's, okay. it's, it's the same everywhere. Yeah, the, 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 the thing that changes is uh, transition altitude or transition level. I remember... Uh, right, right, Africa, right. I knew that was
4: yeah. different, yeah.
5: Yeah, which is which is really weird, because I remember in Ecuador, uh, the, the flight from Quito to Guayaquil, I think we're going to talk about Quito here in a little bit, but um, the flight from Quito mm. to Guayaquil <laughs> was only 30 minutes, and the transition, uh, transition altitude uh, coming out of Quito was flight level 180, 18,000 feet, and then transition level... Going into Guayaquil was only three thousand feet, so that that made a, yeah. So that uh, that made for a yeah, very confusing uh, uh, set of circumstances there if you weren't care- uh, careful. So, uh, but that's, yeah, that's eighteen thousand in the United States, right? Eighteen 000, when you going to Class A, right. and exactly, and it's transition altitude going up and transition
7: level coming down. So, uh, hey Rick, I had a quick uh, technical question about this. Oh, um, I so I'm familiar in smaller airplanes, uh the altimeter or the the transponder is getting its altitude information through an encoder so it's like a piece Mm of transponder Mm -hmm. equipment In bigger airplanes like this with flight management systems is that a data packet coming from the ahars or is it still processing the altitude information on the transponder side
5: uh, well it, it's the latter because uh bigger airplanes at least the bones that I've flown uh, they don't have a um, uh basically the the input that goes into the altimeter is, is just it's just that it's, an, it's it's a it's a barometric input that goes into the altimeter and that goes through a, through an air data computer and that gets branched off to a myriad of uh, subsystems including the transponder and different autopiles depending on what autopilot you're working with uh, which is why if you remember uh, back in 1993 uh, six, I think it was or 97 it was uh, it was an accident it was an Aero 757 that crashed into the Pacific Ocean because they'd um, taken off with tape over the static ports and yep. uh, they were trying to figure out what their altitude was and uh, ATC was relaying the altitude to the pilots um, but what the pilots didn't realize is that the erroneous altitude uh, is fed to the transponder and that uh, information is fed to ATC and so they were getting, you know, garbage in, garbage out. It's just yeah. they, were, they weren't actually getting the real altitude. So, um, but just to just to you know, just short answer to your question, um, big airliners don't don't have A just, It's just it's straight barometric uh, uh, input Uh-oh. to <laughs> many many systems.
2: There. Well, uh, when I first got on the Mad Dog, uh, we did have um, about half the fleet was AHARs and half oh. was IRS or IRU. Um, I've never, but, I've
5: never flown a, a jet with ARs.
2: Yeah, the thing that was really maddening about it is that um, the it was very uh, persnickety and not very stable. And uh, on the ground, if you got up too close to somebody as you were taxiing out, and you know they always you know say, "Hey, snug it up," uh, you know, get closer to the airplane ahead of you because we need room on the taxiway behind you or whatever. But if you got too close, and you get into the uh, the jet uh, the flow of uh, jet exhaust for the uh, mm-hmm airplane of ahead of you, uh, it sometime, and we've seen this before, you know, you look at your, uh, attitude indicator or your engine instrument, your, well, your, your static and, uh, uh pedo instruments. And if you get too close, all of a sudden you notice the airspeed's like bumping around mm-hmm. or bouncing around. Yeah. Well, that is fine for most of the modern systems out there, but for these AHAR systems, it was not good. And half the time it would just dump everything. So you had mm-hmm. to be really aware of where you were in relation to the airplane ahead of you, if you had one of those old systems, yeah. And we had a lot of map shift and that kind of thing with those things as well. So yeah, but know. I mean, but the the whole map shift thing is just, yeah.
5: I guess I guess would be a problem with ARs as well, but because we we used to get a lot of map shift as well on uh, on uh, non. Well, you know, back when I started flying seven fives and seven sixes, uh. We didn't have GPS, so the IRS, the inertial reference system, was not updated by GPS. So at the end of a very, very long transatlantic flight, um, you'd have a very, very significant um, map shift, which is why I remember they had a, a, a circular out saying that you were not allowed, uh, it was prohibited actually, to intercept a final approach course using lateral navigation which and lateral navigation only relies on inertial position. So whenever you were actually vectored, uh, given your final vector to join a localizer or a final approach course, whatever the case was, you actually had to do it on head select to avoid that, uh, that map shift. Hmm. And uh, yeah, it was pretty significant sometimes.
2: Yeah. We had triple INS in the, um, in the uh, C141 and we, Mm. on those long legs, we'd have to always keep track of all three positions on uh each um INS and and sometimes fun. yeah you'd have to you'd you'd see like one just kind of like departing from the other Floating two. Off. So yeah. Yeah. So you'd you, you have to the hope that the two that nothing were nothing
4: to do with navigation systems and that, airplanes I mean, that, that happens. I, I'm sorry.
3: I'm
5: sorry that that happens to this day actually. One of the things that you do um on the on the one of the coast out what's well, called uh, coast out checks when we you know fly um, across the you know long spaces of water whatever the case uh you go through your position reference page and you compare uh the position the relative position of each individual inertial reference unit and to see which one is most accurate Uh, To see which one you can rely on uh, if you were to just go down to one or just need, or or just, uh, yeah, find yourself in a position where you have to shut the other two down, which is very, very Hey, Liz,
2: I muted you. Oh, is everybody hearing me? Yep.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, go on.
2: (laughs) I was thinking, why did everybody stop talking? Uh, Okay, hang on. Well.
5: Oh, there we go. Now I can't hear you,
2: Jeff.
4: (laughs) But what were you saying?
5: No, I was saying that uh, (laughs) you you check all three and see which one the most accurate one is in case you need to go down just one. You, You know which one to rely on. So.
4: I was gonna say not, not to do with a uh, navigation system in airplanes, but in my my new vehicle um, has a very fancy navigation system. But there seems to be a black hole of GPS data um, on the street <laughs> I live on. So it yeah. often shows me off-roading onto the golf course, which I yeah. find amusing uh, every single time.
2: <laughs> See, that's map shift.
4: <laughs> yeah, that is map shift right there. Mm-hmm. Oh, Real, uh, by
2: the way, I just realized I have never muted myself because I was looking at the long, the wrong audio chain in my, in my uh, software here, so I do apologize yeah. for that. I was yeah. muting um, the second microphone connected to my system, and I only have one. So.
5: Ah, that's <laughs>
4: yeah,
2: uh, it. Sorry. That and the load factor will get you.
7: <laughs> load factor? What?
2: Yeah, I know. I don't want to experience another load factor. No. Believe you me. Okay.
7: <laughs> if they're flying around without experiencing load factors most of the time... I'd be curious about how Probably to can that. in space. Yeah, you stay in business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, want, you, want, yeah. you want at least, you
5: know, one G. One G, yeah.
2: Preferable. <laughs> that's preferable. So I think load the, factors as the number of passengers we have.
7: Yeah, well, that's true. Oh, uh, yeah, true. that's not what I think of yeah, it. I think about, like, the 1.3 for a 30-degree bank and stuff like
2: that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder how much of a load factor that they uh, experienced. A couple Gs, maybe?
5: Well, I tell you, if they held a uh, level flight and they backed to 60 degrees, it was 2 Gs. That's yeah. That's all I know.
2: <laughs> all right, let's move on. That's enough of that yep. one. Uh, this one from uh, Jose, uh, one of our listeners. And uh, it regards uh, something that we had talked about in an earlier episode, the uh, Gulfstream Aerospace um, uh, G4SP. Aircraft that crashed in the Dominican Republic. And he says, greetings, crew. This is Jose Enrique Enrique Enriquez. How do I do, Rick? Perfect. Okay. Long time listener for the first <laughs> time sending a feedback. I am not a pilot nor professionally related to aviation in any way other than my love for anything related to airplanes. I'm afraid that my son Alejandro, who is nine years old, uh, got the aviation bug also. Ah. That's okay. It's
4: good. I yep, was. Uh, we encourage that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I was introduced to the podcast by our friend David Abbey, and I've been suffering from APG syndrome ever since. I Uh-oh. met Captain Jeff at a meetup in New York City a couple of years ago. We met at a bar close to Central Park. It was a small gathering with David Abbey and Tanya. Yeah, I do remember that. Uh, definitely, uh, that was a good time. Um. So he goes on. I'm originally from the Dominican Republic. A few weeks back, the crew discussed an accident involving a Gulfstream uh, G4SP registration, Hotel Indio 1050. The aircraft crashed while attending an emergency landing in La- Las Americas International Airport shortly after departing Dr. Uh, Joaquin Balaguer Airport. I don't know. I have no idea. Um, yeah,
5: and I'm trying to. Trying to bail you out there. But, of course, my uh, my uh, Evernote
2: crashed. So Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Sure. That sounds like a That's convenient excuse. That's
4: his excuse. He just wanted yeah. to let you struggle through that one.
2: <laughs> uh, the intended destination was Orlando. The Dominican investigative uh, body, Junta de Aviación Civil, released some findings of the investigation on January 18th, 2022. He said, this is a, quote, Google translation of the initial findings. Keep the blue side up, tailwinds, and unlimited visibility. Jose uh, Enriquez, uh, Enriquez. I think I did a better job of it at the beginning of this. Enriquez. Oh, that's good, yeah. Enriquez. Okay. Um, so this is uh, from the Aviation Accident Investigation Commission. Um, let's see. Let me get to the good stuff here. Uh so, uh, the, uh, according to the investigation, the two pilots, the cabin attendant, and six passengers suffered fatal injuries as a result of the impact and that the weather conditions at the time of the accident were favorable. The first flight of the aircraft that day left Puerto Rico and once it arrived in the Dominican Republic and after the passengers got off the plane, communication was established between the aircraft crew and the Helidosa Company. I don't know how that would be pronounced. Well, what do you think, Rick? I'm here trying to see here where 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 you Haled, are. Oh, you're still out. Okay.
4: He moved. No, he's down in the highlighted. Uh, yeah, highlighted the section
2: the first highlighted paragraph. Helidosa or Hel Heli Helidosa. I don't know, I don't know
4: the Yeah, sounds good.
2: Yeah, sounds good to me. All make. right. Helidosa. Uh, yeah. Who reported that the right wing ground spoiler actuators were going to be changed before the next flight, which would be to Orlando, Florida in the United States, continuing to Cleveland, where the crew would spend the night. Um, Marte Piantini also reported that, according to the investigation, the security cameras at the uh, Dr. Joaquin Balaguer International Airport uh, showed that the aircraft was towed to the hangars owned by the company and that the work carried out on the right wing extended for approximately three hours. During that time, the passengers who would travel to Orlando waited in the VIP terminal of the airport. The investigative uh, commission was able to verify that a similar aircraft was on the main ramp as a reserve to be used in case the maintenance work was not completed. But according to statements by a senior executive of the Helidosa company, the passengers required to carry out the flight on that particular particular plane. I kind of highlighted that in pink. I'm not sure why it would be so important that they... Uh, used that exact plane. Maybe they liked the paint job better or something. Um, upon completion, did you guys hear that? Yes. Yes. That was that was me. Sorry. Oh no, because it came in so loudly, I figured it must have something to do with something I have set up here. No. Okay. Um, I had so
4: many comments to make just now, and I'm going to refrain from saying all of them.
2: <laughs> okay. Upon completion of maintenance, security cameras show activity under the aircraft's right wing, with spoiler movements on both wings, and upon completion, the aircraft is towed to the main ramp and prepared for flight at Orlando. The The CIA found that before and during the shoot, the security cameras show movements in the flight controls. Both ground spoilers went up, and only the ones on the left wing retracted. The three spoilers on the right wing stayed extended. Ooh. A video made by a witness from the Kes- Keskia Stadium okay. uh, shows that in flight, the aircraft continued with the spoilers of the right wing up, while those of the left wing look like they are retracted, uh, according to the investigation. Uh, the recordings of the aircraft with the control tower at that moment, the first officer stated that he had a hydraulic problem and later reported problems related to the flaps, then declared an emergency and requested vectors to direct him back to the international airport. As the situation progressed, they decided to divert to the uh, Los Americas International Airport, where they were authorized to land in a south-north direction on runway 35. And after passing the head of said runway and turning left, they hit the trees and then the terrain on the right side of the track, about 200 meters. The total duration of the flight was about 15 minutes. Okay, so that first uh, slide, um, Liz, is, I think, taken from one of the security cameras. And you can see the airplane taxiing out. And clearly, you see the uh, spoilers, the ground spoilers on the right wing are in the up position. And... That. looks like it's which is really interesting
5: i mean a lot of uh, i i've never i mean i don't know i've never flown a g4 and i don't know is there what any indication
4: the, of that in the
5: yeah not only that but the fact that uh oftentimes on bigger airplanes we d- we have what's called roll spoilers and so if you enter you know if if you command a roll to a, to a, to a certain direction then you're going to get the aileron and the roll spoilers come up um but if you look at the picture that uh that was just on there a little while ago you'll see that only the spoilers are, only the spoilers are up, and the and the uh, the aileron is flush. But then again, I don't know if this airplane is even equipped with roll spoilers at all. So um, that that just does not look right right away. And then and then just what you said, Steph, and the fact that um, is there a flight control position indicator, or are there flight control position transducers uh, that that show what the position of the flight controls? Is real time, which is something that would be helpful in this situation. I don't know if you'd be able to look out the window and kind of mm. see see the wing and maybe, I don't know. I don't, again, I've never flown this kind of airplane, so I have no idea.
2: It seems to me, I haven't either, uh, but uh, that, you know, seeing it from the cockpit uh, looks to me like it would be impossible or difficult. Mm, yeah, I don't, I mean, impossible. so from
4: that angle, Cha- you know, you can't see too yeah.
2: Yeah. The yeah, cockpit
4: windows there, so probably not.
2: Yeah, yeah. unless you opened right. up the right. if they have an openable window up there that you can stick your uh, head uh, out. Right. Of You'd have Definitely. to have some
4: indication on the ground then to stick your head out the window and look to you know
2: right, which yeah. would yeah. be
4: difficult to notice.
2: So I'm assuming that everything that they were seeing in on their display panels were indicating that everything was normal, because you know you wouldn't purposely take off if you knew that there was something wrong. Um, yeah. No, maybe. and and these
5: these position indicators are pretty straightforward in the way they work. It's just you know, just um, they, they basically work <clears> proximity <throat> sensors. So, uh,
3: so if, 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 if something stowed. is in,
5: yeah, if something is in a position where it shouldn't be, uh, it'll 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 show. And if you don't have a um, flight control synoptic page or a way of seeing what your the position of the flight control is, then I imagine there'd be some kind of configuration warning. You is know that, that like a limit switch, Rick, or like a Hall effect sensor? Or? <sighs> Man, you got me there. I have no, I, I, I have no idea. I'm just, I, I there, there's got to be some kind of because usually the way these, these, these sensors work is by crossing lines of flux, and that, that is what is going to give a system the idea or the, uh, the, the data input to let it know that that a flight control surface or something that needs to be, you know the position of something is close to something else. So once those lines of flux get crossed, um, now this again might be older type technology. I'm sure there's new newer stuff now, um, but the technology is pretty straightforward, whether it's new or, or, or old. Um, and if there's no flight control synoptic page or um, a uh, a light or some kind of configuration warning, then how would you know? And if you can't look at yeah. the window... Um,
7: oh, do you- do you get um, on the airplanes that you fly? Do you get feedback from the actuator and a separate position indication? Um, feedback from the actuator in what way? What, what the, with the autopilot on or off? Uh, either way, that do you like? Are there any indications of actuator health? Uh, well, aside yes, no. from just a, a position um, of the flap or whatever.
5: So n- yes and no. So we do have um, a flight control synoptic on all the Boeing jets I've flown. Um, And during um, flight with autopilot on, we have what what are called – so the the yoke and the rudder pedals are connected to what are called back drive actuators. So those – so the autopilot, the autopilot flight director system is going to – Um, basically show you on the flight controls physically what the system is doing for you to, you know, to, to, to kind of follow through Uh, the only aspect or, or um, I guess axis that is not shown here, specifically in the airplanes that I've flown because of the way it's built and equipped is your pitch control because your pitch control is, is, is uh, controlled by your uh, stabilizer. And the, uh, the only um, indication of changes in pitch control input is your uh, uh, stabilizer indexer, which is on either side of the uh, throttle quadrant. Um, now, on older-type airplanes, and even newer-type airplanes, really, the 737 MAX retains the trim wheel, which mm-hmm. will you know roll forwards and backwards, letting you know that the stabilizer is moving. But the cool thing about this whole thing is that when you have an autopilot working – you only have a. <laughs> oh, there we go. You only have uh, pitch control me. at pitch control at one half the rate because you only have one um, actuator working the stabilizer versus two on manual flight. So you, you're you're basically trimming at one half rate, which is just what you want anyway, right? Uh, because the stabilizer is such a huge uh, flight control surface, so you want you know smooth transitions up and down. So
2: okay. All right. Well, so it certainly looks like uh, taking off with the uh, spoilers extended on the right wing um, was was the problem there. And it's. Oh,
7: I had I had one more question real quick about that. I, I'm assuming you're not going to be able to feel that aerodynamically until you're way past the point you can do anything about it while you're on the ground. If you got one of those big uh,
0: spoilers
7: up and one
5: down. Oh, no, you'll feel it. You'll feel it because okay. oftentimes. So w- w- what you do is when you have. Um, very strong gusty crosswinds you have to you know slowly and smoothly start applying a aileron input into the wind and op- opposing uh, rudder input uh to keep the airplane basically on a cross control state by the time you take off so your your, your ailerons are certainly going to become uh effective um very, very, I mean, not very, very early on in, in, in the takeoff run, but, you know, early enough where you will be able to feel some kind of rolling moment uh, very likely prior to V1. Uh, but then, you know, there's – then you get into, you know, what was the weather? Uh, where where mm. was the wind coming from? I mean, could that be, could that have been a gust? Uh, you know, there's just so many things going on so fast, and you really are focused on, um, you know, engine health Yep. And uh, your acceleration is actually going. So a lot of things going on there.
2: Okay. We lost you for a second there, I think. Um, am I You're the only one then. that? No,
4: that would happen. Yeah.
2: Okay. All right. Very good. Well, um, thank you, Jose, for sending in that uh, preliminary report. And uh, hopefully you will learn more as the investigation continues. And I think we should move on to the next item here. Which is from simpleflying.com. Perfect source of news for we simple people here uh, at the uh, APG. <laughs> um, the
4: simpler, the better. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Man stows away on Cargo Lux Boeing 747 wheel from South Africa. I wouldn't, anyway, I'm going to keep going here. Uh, this is from the Simple Flying and New York Times. A stowaway was discovered in the front landing gear compartment of a Boeing 747-400 on the 23rd of January. The discovery was made in Amsterdam aboard a cargo Lux freighter, which had originated in Johannesburg, South Africa, with an additional stop in Nairobi, Kenya. This perilous journey would have taken nearly 12 hours to complete, assuming the man boarded in South Africa. Which I doubt he did. Oh, okay, I'm going to
4: guess Nairobi was yeah, opportunity.
2: So, Probably, there. yeah. Um, let's see. The first leg of the flight from Johannesburg to Nairobi would take nearly four hours. Um, and then it uh, would arrive at uh, 0017. Is that local time? Not sure. After A little after midnight, we'll say, uh, on the 23rd. And then uh, the aircraft would spend four hours on the ground there. And then... Loading and unloading its payload as necessary. Then at four sixteen, in the morning, the jumbo jet would depart for Amsterdam with a flight duration of just over eight hours. The aircraft would touch down at Schiphol. Schiphol. At um, <laughs> how did I do, Masha? <laughs> um, it was here in the Dutch capital that authorities discovered the stowaway. Um, and uh, Liz has been showing those uh, those slides of the uh, route of flight, and as you guys said, it's most likely that the stowaway actually uh, bo- uh, boarded the airplane or boarded the wheel well. Um, yeah. Uh, in uh, I've Nairobi. been I've
5: been to both Johannesburg and Nairobi, and I can tell you this did not happen in Johannesburg. Uh, yeah, the they're... cargo area in Nairobi is cut kind of off by itself, uh. um, and uh, you know. And the guy survived, so I guess I'm gonna crack some jokes. Um, so unless um, <laughs> <laughs> unless the guy went, you know, got off uh, the wheel wheel and hit the duty free shop and then came back, um,
4: how do you think he was keeping warm that whole time, man? Like, did, yeah, you know, exactly. he needed some that, liquid. Uh...
5: Yeah, that's why he went to the duty free. Exactly. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so uh, yeah, this 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 must have happened in error. But watches be wrong, you know. But because uh, usually, so after after an airplane lands. Um, you have, uh, depending on the, um, the, top operation you run and what each pile is supposed to do, uh, usually PM or VFO, whatever the case is, or, or relief pilot will go downstairs and actually do a walk around, uh, four hours on the ground is not uncommon for, uh, freighter crews to remain on the jet, which is, you know, I, I used to do that all the time on the seven four. You'd get somewhere, you'd wait four hours and, you know, unload, load, and get back out, you know, get back on your way. But in that in, in in the interim you'd have someone do a walk around and then also you have um, maintenance personnel doing a walk around of the aircraft as well so uh, this is something that uh, would have very very likely been spotted on Although, the ground
2: in Nairobi Rick apparently i mean these 747s are huge airplanes and obviously mm-hmm. huge nose wheels because he was actually inside the wheel according to this article <laughs> It, it he made oh, a little wow.
4: slit in the rubber and climbed in, and you know somehow
2: got it. in that I, wheel. I find that I find that
5: kind of hard to believe because <laughs> uh, um, wheels are uh, so landing gear tires are inflated with nitrogen, and uh, we can't uh, we can't oh. breathe nitrogen. Last I last night. Well, I mean
2: it's like eighty-two so, percent uh, of air, right? Well, it's, uh, it's 100% but we need the nitrogen, oxygen, now. right? It's a hundred percent nitrogen in there for, <laughs> okay. uh, for very, very specific reasons. And, um, that, that did not happen. I guarantee So, you. um, I'm going to share this, um, image, uh, right now. There we go. That you, uh, sent in Rick that shows the wheel. Well, area. see so the thing to me when I read stories like this is how would he know exactly where to position himself in that wheel well to keep from getting crushed by that, uh, by that whole mechanism.
5: Lock. Yeah, that's because it's, I mean, yeah, you, you look at it, it's not, uh, it's not small because nothing on the, on the queen of the skies is particularly small. Um, it's the, the wheel well itself is pretty, pretty large, but, um, it's not like you can feng shui the place. So, um, <laughs> It's uh, it's it, it gets tight there. And also the other thing is that, you know, it's, it's amazing that he was able to, one, not freeze to death two not pass out from mm-hmm. hypoxia. I just become hypoxic. And, 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 and also they knew to hold on when the landing gear was lowered for landing. because yep.
4: like that
7: time. I'm they sorry. Go fall out. Yeah. I was just going to say that was going to be my only point in this whole story is um, how did the guy not fall out when they opened the landing gear? Like I could, yeah. I could almost get him doing some, uh, some intelligence gathering and figuring out where he could fit with the gear up. But mm-hmm. then to like sit in there for eight and a half hours and just know when to like grab onto something the instant that they start putting the landing. I mean, down without not, not out only gra- two hundred and fifty knots or whatever.
5: Right, and not only grab onto something, but knowing what to grab onto. Because, mm-hmm. yeah. it's, it's you know, a lot of moving parts and you have, you know, 3000 PSI hydraulic system bringing those huge wheels down. And and um, if you look at the picture that is on there now, um, you actually have uh, both sets of doors open. So the big doors that are on the front there, uh, those actually close back up after the uh, nose gear has been extended. Um Under normal circumstances, if you have normal, you know, uh, hydraulics and all that stuff.
4: Looking at it, I don't have a good sense of like how much space is there, uh, either forward or aft, if you could like stand and hang on or. Uh, Oh, it's it's
5: it's it's pretty massive. It's pretty massive.
4: You just have to know to be in the right spot and hope that you're not passed out from your hypoxia and frozen yeah, uh, yeah.
5: See, what's, what's what's out of view here, uh, and it's hidden right at the top of the image there, right where those two door door linkages are, right on top of there, um, right just above out of view there, there's two rubbing pads um, mm-hmm. that are there to slow the rotation, rotation. of the nose wheel uh, when, once it retracts, because as we all know, uh, newer type of airplanes, because there used to be airplanes back in the day, um, it's still, there's still some out there actually that do have uh, brakes on the nose landing gear, but these uh, generally commercial airliners don't. And so the only way to slow the um, the, the tires is by uh, rubbing them against the, you know, the the rubbing pads, and it's really funny. Next time you go uh, and you're sitting up front, as soon as uh, the gear um, uh, retracts, you're gonna feel that vibration of the of the nose gear actually coming to a stop there. Um, so as long as you stay clear of that. Yeah, and um, but then again, as Nick said, you do need to do a little bit of little bit of recon and know where to hang on to what to hang on to. I'm
2: thinking probably toward the the back part of that compartment would be yeah, you know, yeah. to one side Torch. or the other probably yeah. be the best. Yeah, looks so, like there's uh, like a little lip that you could possibly. Yeah, stand Yeah, I
4: on. can imagine that there's room to stand there, and oh man, that's terrifying. <laughs>
2: like,
4: yeah, can't can't imagine. Yeah.
5: Yeah, oh. so, yeah. but uh, glad glad he made it. Could uh, he's uh, that 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 could not have been easy. You have to think about the fact that standard lapse rate at what three degrees per thousand feet. Oh, that's cool. So yeah. you get up to uh, I've I've seen temperatures of you know minus fifty, mm-hmm. minus, 60 minus sixty
2: Celsius. Yeah. Maybe it just got into like a state of su- suspended. Animation and you slow down your metabolic rate a whole
4: bunch, and yeah. you know you're yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And very young, that uh, youth. Right. You I know, think can, that may you know, help.
4: Things yeah. in your favor if you're young and otherwise healthy and fit right. um, increases mm-hmm. your chance of surviving. So, but, yeah. It seems to me all the Micah stories says, that we you
2: know, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Steph.
4: Oh, I was just going to say, Micah says, you know, you think about the desperation um, mm-hmm. that someone like that is an, uh, just with their need to escape a situation or a country. And, yeah, that's. Yeah. You need a lot of desperation there, and too. that. Like I was going to
2: say that. Um, The uh, it seems like the incidents that we hear about where the stowaway actually lives are the ones where uh, it involves uh, young people, young men Mm -hmm. uh, in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, um, ready to move on? Sure, sure, let's talk about this also from simpleflying.com. Uh, two indigo flights avoid mid-air collision in bangalore earlier this month uh, the two indigo flights came close to experiencing a mid-air collision after departing bangalore the jets had been cleared to depart on parallel runways and risked uh, risked converging had it not been for an intervention from an approach radar controller reports have emerged Okay, we just said that, and we're not going to repeat all that. Um, okay, so we have a flight um, four fifty. You four. We'll probably start
4: with the close to colliding uh, paragraph, like
2: okay, where is that? Almost
4: three quarters of the way down. <laughs> <Okay>. um, <laughs>
2: Unless well, anyone you really, really wants the, to know Steph, which, Steph, sure, start, uh, close to colliding.
4: Re- On the morning of the incident, a lack of communication amid a shift change almost caused a disaster for the two Indigo flights. Um, News 18 notes that the Southern Runway, 9-right, was planned to be closed on January 7th, but this change wasn't relayed to the Southern Tower. Hmm. As a result, the flights received simultaneous takeoff clearances from parallel runways. Okay. Parallel, not perpendicular. Yeah. with both flights heading towards northeastern India, News 18 reports that their headings would likely have converged. However, a radar approach controller, who the publication names as 42-year-old uh, Lokendra Singh, spotted the potential for a collision in time and assigned the aircraft new diverging headings. This action potentially saved hundreds of lives. Um, the near miss has now come to the attention of India's Directorate General of Civil Aviation. This government body now plans to investigate the matter, focusing on both Indigo and and the Airports Authority of India. The AAI owns 13% of Bangalore Airport. Despite the near-mid-air collision at 3,000 feet, both flights reached their destination safely. The investigation likely won't reflect well on the parties involved, um, given that uh, News 18 notes that parallel runway operations at Bangalore had already been red-flagged. Furthermore, neither AAI nor Indigo immediately advised the um, Director General of Civil Aviation of the incident. It only came to light during routine surveillance and has served to highlight lapses by air traffic controllers.
2: New stuff has so come not, to light, oh, man.
4: Not a whole lot of detail about how yeah. close in proximity these two aircraft. Uh, parallel runways, okay. So parallel—that's like railroad tracks, right? Not perpendicular, like or converging. So, yeah. Um, I'm, I have I'm, yes. a question for the
2: crew here. So, what about um, these are? Uh, Both uh, 321 NEOs, I think, Um, that I read in some other article, Uh, maybe.
4: Yes, Airbus A320 NEOs.
2: So, so, I mean, they're modern airplanes and relatively new. Mm -hmm. Obviously, they have TCAS systems in them. Mm. They don't even mention, you know, even if the controller had completely not noticed this situation, the TCAS systems would have, I think, helped to save the hundreds of lives. I can probably go a a
5: step prior to that. Um, I remember flying out of Bangalore several times. And out of there, you are never given a radar vector departures ever. You're always on an RNAV type uh, departure. Mm -hmm. Um, RNAV departures are, so from fix to fix, those are magnetic tracks that you're flying. You're not flying headings. Um, and oftentimes, a lot of these RNAV, well, not oftentimes, always, these RNAV departures are RNAV-1. So uh, you're, you're, um, basically what that refers to is the, what's called the, the relationship between RNP, required navigational performance, and ANP, actual navigational performance. So uh, when you're in the terminal area, the navigational performance required to perform these kinds of departures because of the proximity to other aircraft is very, very, very tight. Um, these navigational systems are armed on the ground, at least on. I've never flown an Airbus, thank goodness, but on Boeing's, um, you arm what's called LNAV on the ground lateral navigation. And as as soon as you rotate at 50 feet, your nav your lateral track is going to capture. So the active pit uh, the active uh, roll mode is going to be LNAV. Um, and uh, a lot of times, uh, again depending on the airline, um, the procedure is to connect the autopilot as soon as you can. A lot of these newer airplanes, um, Boeings that I've flown, minimum uh, autopilot, um, uh, uh, minimum altitude to engage the autopilot is um, 200 to 250 feet. So you get, you, you cross through 200, 250 feet, you go autopilot and um, uh, in, in command. And you, now you have the autopilot managing the lateral track, which would prevent these kinds of issues. I, 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 I guess there's more to the story that we're not uh, hearing here because uh, there's, there's a lot of holes that uh, I think need to be filled here. I have no idea how the situation could have gotten to the place where it ended up if proper procedure had been followed, which clearly here it wasn't. A uh, good thing that this lady was able to um, de-conflict the situation because last thing you want is um, a midair over a very highly dense populated area like
7: like Bangalore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is they do make a comment down there at the end you know that investigation likely won't reflect well on the parties involved given that news 18 notes that parallel runway operations at Bangalore had already been red flagged. So there might be some existing holes there that they already have either with their procedures or training that yeah. uh, you know, it's already a sub maybe a substandard operation and it takes a lot less a lot fewer coincidences to allow something like this to happen.
5: Right. And the other thing is I remember um maybe not here. Where the hell was it? But it was one of these one of these airports somewhere on that side of the world where it was same deal, you know, uh, uh parallel runway uh takeoff uh going on and uh in that particular airport where was it was I in Bangladesh. I don't remember where I was. But anyway, um they would stagger the departures to avoid this. So, you know, you'd have one airplane taken off
2: first and then obviously the the, the next one and then, you know, one and one and one and one. So. Speaking of sta- um, staggering, um, we have a news item coming up uh, sort of related to that. <laughs> we
4: do, yes. I feel like we foreshadowed this particular uh, news item several times now. So yeah.
2: Why don't you it go right or, to or that news item, item
6: Jeff?
4: News?
2: Okay. Good idea, Liz. Um so let's move uh, great segue. Uh, speaking of staggered or staggering mm. did that on purpose? Let's uh Jeffrey um uh, play the video. Here we go. From Bass Aviation. Real Aviation Communications. <laughs> Oh, you know, I didn't think about the fact that this is in um, only the uh, first part. Spanish. Um, no, only the first part. Okay, so I should probably read what it is he said there, but it's now gone from the uh, Quito, good night. So so, just regular ATC communications.
8: Yeah.
5: So the guy just if you want to pause that for a second just for context here. The guy um the, um, the uh the airplane coming in that Galapagos one three seven seven flight uh told the tower that they'd been calling from nine miles out and they were now short final. Ooh. and then yeah and then uh, they, they hadn't they hadn't gotten any response as to whether they're clear land or not so uh clearly something going on here but um we're going to get the gist of what's really going on here with the, with
2: the next aeroplane here to make a lot allegedly
8: hola buenos 377 esta frecuencia heavy alpha porta 0 I
1: have seguido abandonando en frecuencia via alfa, si lo estábio, puerta uno 0 balanza
8: volvista 3-3-6 United 1035 ILS uh, 36 Tito Tower, United 1035 ILS 36 Continue ILS approach, runway 36, wind calm current uh, age degrees 7 knots runway 36 clear to land
3: <laughs> what? what? okay first huh? let's continue now we are
7: clear to land 36 united ten thirty
8: five. that's correct wind time runway 36 clear to land united ten thirty five clear to land
7: 36
5: yeah the wind's calm they don't need the controller
8: united one zero three five. 0 35 back to uh one uh, one three. Huh. <laughs> three, three six. One two. The main distribution.
1: Clearing it out for three. Remain with you, taxi eight one two United ten thirty five. Good night.
5: <laughs> Talk about a polar shift, huh? Good night.
8: <laughs> yeah.
5: <laughs> uh oh.
4: degrees <laughs> knots It's not funny. And that's
8: correct. degrees five
5: knots. That's correct. He wants you to take <laughs> off from the taxiway Delta. Ready to taxi.
4: Yeah, just taxi and take <laughs> off. Five hundred
8: on PayPal C32, 036, no, for takeoff.
1: No. Oh, man. Quito power, American 473, uh, ILS 036.
8: Hello? Contact. Quito run 121, 012.
3: Okay.
1: What? Yeah, power, American 473, ILS <laughs> 036. Yeah, we're in the
8: air. Continue, LSATP, runway 36, wind zero, 030 degrees, zero, 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 04 knots, QNH 034 inches, report on uh, shore, finally, runway 36. Move the battery. Land
1: runway 36, 3034, American 473.
8: Special colleague, Keith Brown, go ahead.
1: Yes, sir, Delta 632, ready to attack.
8: Delta 62, taxi to call for round with 6. By the Charlie OJ Alpha. Are you ready? Contact tower 118-732. 118-735, connection. Okay, taxi to 364, we'll call the tower one one eight three five. American four seven three by K-Run with the Alpha 3, contact ground decimal 9 Alpha 4-7-3. Ground American four seven three. Alpha three, <laughs> parking.
5: Same guy. Same guy.
8: One two one seven three. Continue taxi via Alpha to the south. Standby by for ATC. Standby for parking now. Okay, Alpha. We will uh, stand by for parking. American four seven three. American, continue taxi via Alpha Julie, Bravo i find Juliet Charlie, stand 1-4. Juliet
1: Charlie, American 1473, I think you said stand 1-4. That's correct. Stand 1-4. Thank you. Tower
8: Delta 632 is ready
1: to the end. Delta 632, go ahead.
8: Delta 632
1: is ready for takeoff, runway 36.
8: Delta six three two one zero one zero eight seven five nine runway three six, please for takeoff.
1: Uh, runway 36, six, Delta six three two.
8: Delta That's six, six three two, contact here. approach one to one decimal to reflectors. Delta six three two,
1: good night. <laughs> good night.
5: There we get good, good luck.
4: Yeah.
1: Glad I'm out of here. Good <laughs> evening, <here>. Tower United two <laughs> zero three two. Hotel.
5: Wow. wow Oh, this should be interesting. I'm so trying clearance from this guy. Clearance.
8: Okay. Stand by, please. Yeah. American 466 Start to hold in Port Route 86. And start out. On oh, Charlie, continue taxi when you're ready. Contact tower one, one, one decimal three five. Okay, can ready to push. I'm ready to push. We can push. back am ready to push. six and push. before push.
1: Push back off Charlie for runway 36, United 466. Wow. Edo Tower, United 2083,
8: request taxi clearance to Houston. Taxi to call the with runway 36, when you're ready, Tower 11835. United
1: 2083, taxi to 36, we are on 11835. And uh, via Alpha? Valle Alpha,
8: correction Valle Hotel Alpha.
1: Hotel Alpha, United 2083 Red Tower for United 2083, do you have a clearance for us yet? We need a squawk and an altitude United
8: 2083, confirm ready for takeoff
1: That's affirmative, we will be
8: United 2083,
1: we're with three four clear for takeoff. Clear for takeoff. Yeah, we need a squawk and a clearance for departure for United 208.
8: United
1: in runway six. One takeoff.
2: Clear for takeoff.
1: Sir, I can't take off without a squawk. I need a four digit squawk for departure and a clearance.
2: Squawk
8: 1.
4: I feel like he just made those numbers up.
1: <laughs> Man, that's. I that will be, be. Yeah. Uh, 2083.
2: He's just clearing Quack himself. Well, I'm just going to
4: tell you what I'm going to do. <laughs> this is where I'm going.
2: Okay, that's about. Wow. Probably way more than we needed to play of yeah. that, but. That is amazing that is
5: painful to, painful to listen to yes. um, the interesting thing here is that clearly um, uh, from experience these these are flights that happen at night um, uh, I, I, well I some oftentimes a lot of these a lot of these um, arrivals happen at night um, and these departures early early in the morning I don't know if it's it must be the same um, I guess. Window, um, but I've never, I've never heard anything like this before. Um, when I when I saw this, um, you know, come up on the on the uh, Evernote here, I actually had to read through it and actually go on some of the forums for local pilots down there and talk to some of my uh, former colleagues who still fly down there, and the proverbial poo hit the fan with this one um hmm. it's yeah it's 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 huge down there right now and uh um um I was actually looking at you know they're not very happy uh with their whole um uh, with 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 Ecuador's um safety rating um so um i guess i guess you know stand by for news on that one down the
2: road um so I would, I would yeah, hope could, though that That was just one individual of several individuals that, I mean, I I can't imagine that this would be, uh, obviously, we're assuming here that he was uh, drunk or under the influence of something.
4: He sounded impaired, uh, to say the least. Absolutely, Steffi. There's various types of impairment, you know, drugs, alcohol can be one and probably the most common that you'd encounter, but yeah, they will definitely have to take a look into it.
5: And and see the other thing here is that is 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 he doing what? He's he's doing tower, he's doing ground, he's doing clearance, he's doing the drive through at McDonald's. I mean he's doing everything. Is is there nobody else up there with him, you know? I mean what's yeah, going it sounds on
2: here? like he's just by himself. So yeah, that's just this is this is this is un unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's just him in his a, bottle. Um minor miracle, maybe, that um uh, nothing you know bad happened under
5: that and i tell launch. you i mean kito's Quito's one of those places where you have to not only not only the pilot on the you know on, on the pilot side of things um but atc you have to be you have to be on your toes there you have very very high terrain all over the place you're dealing with a you know with an airport that you know the the, the new Quito airport sits at about what 7500 feet i think it was i've been there in a while but uh, it's very high up in the mountains um Things happen very, very fast um, and it's the it's the international airport to the capital city of a country. so what does that tell you? so That's
2: yeah. uh, concerning uh, at the very least.
4: okay well yeah you know there's uh, you know people are asking about stroke, other medical conditions it doesn't sound quite typical for that, but certainly they'll look into medical reasons for it as well I'm sure. But <laughs> the other guy, Neil geez. goes
5: Neil goes he wasn't his own the other guy was out getting salt and lemons
2: <laughs> Tequila Tower remember all these yeah. uh, title ideas when we get to yeah. the end of the show
4: oh, <laughs> Nick, is, Nick is not getting a reprieve from having to do the um, artwork he'll just have to figure out what we were talking about it'll
2: tequila. give him something to do while he's oh, waiting man, for all this to get better yeah. Uh, yeah all right well sadly <laughs> i hate to end the news segment on uh, a story like that but uh we figured we owed it to you our listeners to to cover it at least so yeah all right let's uh do this and uh, kind of get to know what each of us has been doing since the last show now steph's here i can't sing
4: you can sing. It's okay.
2: I can I can uh I can hum.
4: I mean, I mean
5: Your dull set tones there, <laughs> Jeff.
2: Yeah. Right. All right. That's the I love this segment because I like to know what's going on with my best friends uh, since the last <laughs> episode. And uh let's see. I'm looking for people to raise their hand. Who wants to go first with uh what they've been up to okay oh, I, I can explain
4: my comments. absence last week
2: yeah why don't you do that
4: yeah no i you know i was not here um last week was planning to be here but on my significant other side of the family um his mother actually passed away um not completely unexpected she'd been ill for some time but um certainly lots to to take care of when an event like that happens and certainly needed to be there for him and and um you know um Take care of those arrangements and take care of a lot of things, um, um, just with regards to to her stuff and, and making sure all those final arrangements were taken care of. Um, but we do appreciate all the the well wishes from you guys and the the um, condolences. Um, Justice said thank you very much, and um, yeah, moving forward from that. But basically, spent the the weekend there, and um, yeah, tough to get through even if it's you know unexpected or. Not a not a surprising occurrence. So,
3: mm-hmm. yeah,
4: wish it, Wish I had happier news to report that I'd been off on, you know, at a conference somewhere. But that was not the not the case for my my absence. I've got one of those coming up though. So uh-huh. uh, oh. fear not, <laughs> snow ski. <Yeah. laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, conferences are back. Um, oh boy. So we'll get our ha- snarky comments ready. I had, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't have any anything aviation related to to report. Um, you know, I had to rearrange a little bit of work schedule. Um, for that. So it was kind of a busy week coming back from that and a long work meeting on Tuesday night to boot. So, um, yeah, everything's caught up now though. And I'm actually looking forward to a relaxing weekend. There will not be any flying this weekend because the weather is supposed to be kind of not great here. Not as bad as some other places on the Eastern, uh, half of the country, but, um, yeah, it should be nice and, and quiet and I'll get a lot of work done around the house. So that will be good.
2: Uh, so are, are you going to be impacted at all uh from this uh nor'easter?
4: You know if 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 an inch to maybe 2 inches of snow is impactful then Could be. yes. <laughs> Could be. How about But 16? I don't even know that we'll get that much. Yeah. 16 inches? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Mm. <laughs> 16. <laughs> nice. No, some people are getting that much apparently this weekend. Oh wow. yeah. Um hmm. yeah, Lucky it's, it's going to be
5: <laughs> maybe.
2: Or maybe not. I don't know. Maybe no, I just a little wanted to say,
5: Stephanie, that uh, <laughs> that uh, we <laughs> we love you and, and, and that uh, justice couldn't have um, anyone better than you to yeah. uh, navigate these waters. Um no, and, I appreciate um, that. and uh, that's uh, from the bottom of, of I know my heart and the rest of the crew absolutely.
4: So thanks. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know you you wanted a million. You, you, you do what you can. It always, it's, it's never easy, but, um, you know, hopefully helped him get through that, that weekend, um, as best as possible. So, yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. Well, good. Um, uh, we're glad to have you back and
4: yeah, good to be back. Uh,
2: we were glad that you were there for, uh, justice and, and mm-hmm. helping him through the all through all this. Um, yeah, I know about things that, uh, you kind of, you know, are not they're not expected, but then when it hits you, it still is a little yeah. bit.
4: Yeah, well, it you know, it's a, it was kind of a um, one of those things where it had been anticipated for a while, and then mm-hmm. it would the situation would improve, and then it would be tenuous again, and then it would improve, and then, um, yeah, it wasn't wasn't exactly expected at right that moment, but it wasn't surprising, but still hard. Yeah. Yeah.
2: All right. Uh, Nick C, Nick Camacho, uh, you've, uh, it's been a couple of weeks since you were with us. Uh, what have you been up to, sir? Uh, well, we, unfortunately a couple
7: of weeks ago we had, uh, COVID come through our house. So we've been dealing with having children at home and having limited, uh, exposure and interaction with the outside world, but we, uh, we got through all that. All right. And, uh, Finally got the kids back to school today, so that was a big step back to um, normalcy, I guess. Um, I got to do a little bit of flying. Uh, Here comes one of them right now. I got to do a little bit of flying last week in my dad's Lescom, and Mm -hmm. uh, just continued to work on uh, my debonair, um, getting very close to flying. I've spent the past couple of days um, troubleshooting Some EMI interference issues uh, that I have with the new magnetometer set up in the airplane. So that's uh, been a little bit, uh, it's been a little frustrating because I understand mechanical things a lot more than electrical things. And when you're talking about the invisible little uh, EMI gremlins running up and down wires, um, that's stretching my capabilities (laughs) Hey man, that's why we're AMPs
5: and not avionics technicians.
7: <laughs> right. Actually, I, seriously, I was I was
5: when I started out, I was I was I went through the avionics ignition thing, and 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 I went just I, I got as far as going through the indoc and I was like, nope, I'm out. So yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: What's, yep. so, uh, just for our listeners? Uh, what's a magnetometer?
7: Uh, so that's that's actually a little item. Uh, it uh, it's basically a little electronics box that replaces, um, a compass. So it'll, I'm putting in electronic flight instruments in my airplane and that's a module that will feed my electronic flight instruments, uh, with heading information. Uh. So, uh, because it's a kind of magnetic, magnetic based device, it's, it's pretty sensitive to electromagnetic interference. Now, quick question for you, Nick. What were those called back in the day? And where Uh, were they placed? What were the magnetometers called? Uh huh. Uh, Is it, are, are you talking about like flux gates? exactly flux
5: gates and uh, <laughs> on the on the 720 because when i when i got my airframe license i had to do a lot of uh, a lot of rigging for uh, for um uh flap cable flap control for cables and all that stuff and the flux gate was at the very tip of the wing because that was the area that was least affected by magnetic fields yep exactly
7: yep damn man yeah. that's good yeah they uh they actually recommend to install install it in the wing tip if possible but on my airplane um i have tip tanks so i can't put it out in the wing tip and then once you start coming inboard then you end up having to cut a hole in the wing and so i didn't Mm -hmm. want to do that so mine's back in the tail cone of the airplane Um,
2: yeah if you have too many holes cut into the wings i hear that that is not a good thing yeah you know (laughs) fuel starts leaking your range goes (laughs) way down Uh,
5: yeah not not good (laughs) Yeah, possibility of a fire, and then you know, feds are not
2: happy. What happened to that yep. guy that was sprayed so, bug of problems. stuff? Exactly, oh. and
5: then you run into a drunk controller. Um, just yeah, just <laughs>
2: complete, complete. Liz is saying, could that possibly be what happened to the guy that was uh, that that uh, what? What do you call those things? <laughs> uh, crop duster, the crop duster that. Oh uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, too many, too many holes, holes in the, the wings. Yeah, too many holes in the bottom side <laughs> of the
7: wings. <laughs> that is.
2: That is probably what happened there (laughs) (laughs) although if you have like holes in the wings it uh, makes it easier to see you know stuff below the wing you know for that's true sightseeing and stuff okay Mm -hmm. it's all give and take all right um rick what you been up to man well um
5: i have officially forgotten how to fly an airliner so when i go back to work next week I it's like a bike
2: <laughs> big bite. I think
5: you pull pull back and the houses get smaller but I have to recheck on that. Yeah. Uh no, but in all seriousness, I've just been been at home, uh just just hanging out, doing a lot of work here at home, um uh playing with the dogs, uh grilling steaks, drinking beer, reading books and uh doing taxes. So, um mm. that's, that's what I've been up to. Yeah. Really not a lot uh, not a lot uh, more to report other than that. Uh, going back to flying uh, next uh, Sunday. Um, it's going to be a short little five-day trip for me, which is kind of weird. It's, it just doesn't feel right being h- gone for only five days. Um, so I do a um, I do an Ontario to Rockford. Then I do Rockford to um, Portland. Portland to Honolulu. Honolulu to Ontario, and then I'm done. So that's... Uh, very 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 vanilla schedule for me not not used to that so um uh it's gonna be good looking forward to looking forward to that flying with a flying with a really good dude flying with him before we we did a lot of flying out in um uh, and um uh, in taiwan and japan and china um a couple of years ago um former navy guy so he's a solid solid dude so I look forward to that it's gonna be fun
2: i don't know you gotta watch out for those navy guys
5: yeah i, I hear i hear they like to uh, they like to tell you about how many uh, how many traps they have Especially over, over oh, yeah. the PA, <laughs> you so know.
2: I, I've been wanting to uh, play that. Um, shall we play that? <laughs> Since you're alluding yes. to it, um,
5: <laughs> yes. okay. I have no, no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. I'm just, think, uh, I just keep saying that this guy's a cool dude. Uh
2: huh. Well, <laughs> it, 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 maybe is it might be the same guy uh, that I'm about to play right now. Let's see. So you feel ridiculous when you make your PA on the frequency, but you feel more ridiculous when you make it on guard.
1: And ladies and gentlemen, from the flight deck, this is your captain speaking, Captain Richard. Welcome aboard your Delta flight to Atlanta. We've leveled off with a good ride. The sign is off. We will give you an update on the Atlanta weather when we do begin our descent. Right now, computer shows approximately two hours and 20 minutes flight time remaining.
2: Little
7: background about your captain. Retired yes, from please. the United States Navy after 27
2: years as special instructor pilot. I'm glad you told us. Logged 123 oh. aircraft carrier landings.
3: I'm in the controls
1: your flight today, so you're in good hands.
3: Mm.
1: If there's wow. anything we can do to make your flight more comfortable, please let the Delta girls in the back. Delta know girls,
3: welcome aboard. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay.
1: <laughs> Go Navy Delta. This
5: is the this is the good stuff right here.
3: How many carry is it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Of course, oh, his
7: name is Captain Richard. Yeah, and you, you know, know he's his nickname. His, uh, his, yeah, right.
3: his,
5: Dick. and he was wearing his double breasted jacket and hat while he was doing this, uh, this PA of his. So, uh,. <laughs> So uh it was uh, uh Captain Richard this is the reason why we get to uh, experience the freedoms that we do and we thank
2: you from the bottom of our hearts. Yes, thank um, you for your service. Smart yes, snappy salute to uh, Captain Dick. Uh, yes sir for letting us know about his experience. Hmm. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad he did that on guard so everybody could hear some of the <laughs> PAs that are being given out there. Come on guys. Really? Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. So, um, uh, thank you for allowing me that great segue, uh, Rick. You are welcome, sir. It's what I do. Yeah. All right. My turn. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, let's see. I, I am on a trip right now, but it's, uh, or let's see last time we recorded, uh, help me out, Liz. Was I on a trip? I, I think I was. I, think I was you were in, on a trip, uh, I remember that. Yeah. Was I in Wichita?
6: Yes, you were, you were oh, on a trip. I was you were answer, in Wichita. I, I was in Wichita. And,
2: yeah. and, and we were Nick,
6: missing Nick's Nick uh, wasn't
2: there because uh, we really missed Nick, but not really so much Nick. I really missed his cell phone that has T-Mobile 5G service <laughs> as a hotspot because the hotel Wi-Fi and my own AT&T hotspot service was, uh, definitely not up to snuff. And that was a bear, uh, editing that show with all the bad, uh, signal that I had to deal with. But, um, no, I'm just kidding, Nick. We missed you too, but, uh, did that and came back early Saturday morning, uh, did my singing thing on uh, Saturday afternoon at my church. And, um, let's see. And then oh I picked up uh some more flying. Oh, I did a lot of flying. Green didn't slip. I? Yeah, I did a green slip, uh overtime flying, just to help it the company out. Not me. Yeah. Um it was a two-day uh green slip. Anyway, oh I, I should also mention, and you now I should probably hold this until the next show, but I'm gonna just briefly mention it here, just so that Dan knows that I did receive his little um goodie bag. Uh Dan Wrote in and he said, a fellow widgeteer here, uh, ACME, of course, he's talking about. I have a few things that I wanted to send you that you may like, just need a good address. So he sent these to my address and he is a uh, 220 uh, captain uh, and uh, on the way at some point to Atlanta 737 captain. And he's also a former mini dog commander, which is what I am right now. And uh, he has a a little business on the side, um, and he sent me a whole bunch of really cool stickers, which I will try to remember to take some pictures of, include in the show notes so that you can see these things and information about how um, you can order your own. I believe it's Cockpit Creations, uh, the name of his company, but uh, I'll hopefully remember to say something about this next show and then actually show you.
6: Yeah. That. But how many carrier? That, landings that's all does great, he Jeff, have?
2: but what I really want to know is how many carrier traps. Does <laughs> <have>? <laughs> so Liz was saying the yeah. same exact oh. thing. Uh, <laughs> you guys are great on the mind, same frequency. Oh. <laughs> anyway, so, um, there you go. Um, anything else? No, I, uh, get back to Atlanta tomorrow. Have one day off and then back out again on Monday. And uh, man, you sound like me. Oh man. Yeah, it's I've, I've been doing a lot of flying. We've we've, we've yeah. switched roles here. Yeah, exactly. Okay, uh, that's it for our getting to cover know art. segment.
6: Cover art. We need
2: to. Oh, Thank you. We're not finished. Uh, we do need to talk about. Thank you, Liz. Uh, last week's cover art by our resident artist, creative. Uh, Nick Anderson, and the uh, title of the show last week was "Writer's Block." You'll remember we had the uh, the audio of the. Uh, oh, by the way, Falcon Field. Somebody wrote in and said the Falcon yeah, Field yeah. is in Arizona, and not known the that. one that I was. I just heard the guy's accent, the uh, tower controller, and it sounded like something that you would hear in in uh, Georgia. I know. Delta. Reminded um, me of that movie, My Cousin Vinny. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. Okay, it's been a while since I've watched that movie, but anyway, uh, they talked about the pen, the the, <laughs> the item, the notebook, whatever. You know, they were having trouble figuring out what it was, and then finally, uh, the controller realized it was a pen. P E N on uh, the center line, or just right of it, and so uh, Nick took that as his idea and entitled the show "Writer's Block," and uh, we have uh, some interesting. Uh, pen people, I guess you'd call them. And the uh, show
6: number is very creative.
2: Oh, I did not find the. Sh- oh, I think I did on the bottom yes, of no, the, yes, uh, the show number on the bottom of the uh, little uh, pens in the background there, and we see an airplane coming in for a landing. Looks like some kind of a heavy with uh, truck landing gear. Oh, who failed to find it? Come on, I haul boxes. I-haul boxes. Look, this time, you have to yeah. kind of zoom in on the. Uh, what happened? It's gone. Hmm. Um, the You have to zoom in on the, the bottom of the uh, pens in the background, and I think that's where you'll find the show number. Nick likes to try to make that not so obvious. Um, anyway, why don't we remove the slides and talk about the coffee fund. And just a reminder, Liz, I have that in the overlays and so here we go it's time for us to talk about the coffee fund
6: johnny how much more coffee no thanks
2: i love coffee come on Nick, sing along with me <laughs> I, love I love the, the ABG, abg community, community coffee and tea and the java me a cup a cup a cup a cup a cup, a cup. <laughs> all right the coffee fund your way to support the show financially a couple of different ways to do that one is the coffee Fund classic method and since the last episode we had a couple of folks uh contribute uh vigner uh who we believe is from Finland, right? Um, also, uh, he did our uh, his uh, monthly uh, recurring contribution. Thank you, Vigner and Mike Harrington. Uh, he is new to our coffee fund. Thank you, Mike. Uh, gave us a nice one-time uh, donation. I don't know if you, I, I know that he was in the chat room earlier. I'm not sure if he is still with us or not. If you are, raise your hand, your digital hand. Anyway. Um, that's one way to do it. You can also become a patron of the show via patreon.com. You pledge a certain amount per episode and uh, yeah, you can, you know, be a part of the financial support of the show. Again, if you want to learn more about the coffee fund, the coffee bar uh, club, head over to airlinepilotguy.com slash coffee. You'll be glad you did. We will too. Captain. Incoming message. Let's start off with some feedback from Jeffrey. Um, he sent us a, uh, a link to a YouTube video entitled Star Wars Canyon for January 2022. And so here we go. We're going to take a look at this. That's loud. Too. Sound of freedom. Oh, yeah. uh, Star Wars Canyon, January 2022. It is a Falcon, as I said, 8X, three engined business jet, long range, going through the, um, what do they call this? The Star Wars Canyon in uh, Death Valley. Um, Steven and Ivy, Steven, Ivy, and I kind of perched ourselves in this area, hoping to see something go by. Uh, but. No. no. no, Nothing. No such luck. Nope. They must no. have known we eh, were there. It looks like fun. Yeah. So I was going to cue it up at this point coming up. This oh. is Fred Johnson. We're moving through the snow in Southeast Oregon and Northern With Nevada on the way to Star Wars Canyon for an epic adventure. Stick around. We are on the rim of Star Wars Canyon. Get ready for some special action. All right. So we see that Falcon jet and uh, a chase plane that just went out of frame. The chase plane obviously doing some photography work. Such a beautiful airplane. You know, they say that these Falcon jets, business jets, are... About as close as you can get to, like, a military fighter. So, a Mirage to fighter? I've heard that. Yeah. I've heard that, yeah. <laughs> Is this Pip? Yeah, no, I don't think Pip flies the Falcon. Plus, this looks so, like, expert flying and so smooth. It <laughs> shouldn't <be> Pip. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not Pip, <laughs> or any of us for that matter. Yeah, definitely not any of us. <laughs> and, you know, the airplane didn't hit the, the canyon wall, so it uh-huh. can't be Pip. It must be somebody else. Anyway, <laughs> very cool. So we're, that's it. We're going to uh, put the link in the show notes so you can watch the uh, the rest of it. Um, yeah, so what they don't tell you there is that the guy's actually looking for an opening
5: a meter long by a meter wide and he's gotta shoot through there to <laughs> blow the planet up.
7: Mm-hmm.
2: So, uh, that uh that uh
5: that'll be on uh APG episode five zero eight.
2: So stay tuned for that. Stay tuned. It'll be a <laughs> yes. good one. Very good. All right. Thank you, uh Jeffrey, for uh alerting t- us to that uh YouTube video. Oh, Josh, uh, the next item in our feedback, uh, says, hello, airline pilot guys. Thank you all so much for the great information regarding my previous feedback. When I heard my name on the podcast, I, I sure was grinning ear to ear as I got to become the star of the show for a little while. I will definitely try to start on my private pilot's license, parents and school permitting. As to the design defects, apologies, I probably should have researched a little more. It seems like engines falling off a 747 does indeed fall under the category of design flaws. Surprising, right? On to, excuse me, it's the uh, the Guinness. Actually, actually, yes, actually, they're, they're, they're actually supposed
5: to do just that separate from, yeah separate from the separate from the pylon at that specific way um they're mm-hmm. just basically engineered to do
2: that on um, a regular flight so that.
5: on oh, hopefully not regular because <laughs> it would be a lot of 747s <laughs> flying around but if it gets to the point where the engine's on fire and uh oh. the wings gonna you know catch on fire then the yeah. engine just separates um oh. and it's that really the cool entire
2: airplane's could, not on fire is there, like, a uh-huh. special lever or switch that you push No, to? no. <laughs> so,
5: so basically the way it works is, is you have the mounting bolts to the engine and the pylon. Um, the aft bolts uh, melt at a higher temperature than the front bolts do. And so when that happens, those release first, and then the engine is supposed to, by design, uh, fly over the top of the engine and fall,
2: and, and fall away. Mm. Um, so, What if they, like, mix those two bolts up? You know, like, they, like they're in a certain bin. Yeah, and somebody then, screwed up the labels or something.
5: Then you're up the creek. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Not That's good. Interesting.
2: <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, Josh continues. Uh, remember, Josh is the uh, young man who is, uh, I believe, still in high school, right? Um, anyway, uh, on to some interesting news. The Russian-made Irkut MC-21 recently got its type certification from the Russian Federal Agency for Air Transport. And it seems somewhat promising. Not only does it have fairly efficient engines and range comparable with the A320neo and 737 MAX, it also has a much wider cabin, possibly meaning improved passenger comfort. Just wanted to see if the APG crew had any thoughts or predictions.
4: Nah, just more opportunity to cram more passengers in. They'll make use of that space.
2: Yep. Have you... uh, You know, I didn't didn't look up the Irkut uh, MC21 to see what... Is that the one that kind of? No, that's the Chinese one that kind of looks like a DC uh, nine. Yeah, I think to, you're thinking of the C
7: nine nineteen.
2: Yeah, yeah, so, the
7: uh, one
5: that's been on proven flight for the last
7: like forty seven years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 that one for a while. This no. uh, the MC twenty one looks pretty decent. Yeah, yeah, but who's going to buy that thing? I that was my question that I was going to ask you guys is you know that everyone talks about these airplanes coming out of Russia and China and obviously China can feed their own. Um, they can kind of feed their own procurement um, path because they have so many people and routes out there. But some of these other kind of uh, Far East countries, I'm I'm curious who's going to be buying these airplanes.
5: I was being facetious. I was going for Qatar Airways because they just uh, – Airbus
7: just – Oh, because they cheap. just got rid of their Airbus or Airbus <laughs> booted them off their Airbus orders. Oh, yeah. So that,
2: that's who's going to buy that. <laughs> Is it is maybe. it a wide yeah. body? Here, I'm looking this up while we're doing the show, which I no, probably shouldn't do. But I don't think uh, it's a wide body. It's, he, um, there's wide an
7: body. Airways Mag that says that says Russia's new wide body alternative. Oh really? But then it only has uh, one basically. aisle. It looks like three seats on each side.
2: Yeah, yeah. It doesn't an interior yeah. here. Yeah,
7: yeah it's, I, mean, I can't
2: tell from these it pictures if it's a narrow s- body or a wide body.
4: Roomy, but yeah, it looks bigger than
2: a normal narrow body, but maybe not quite as big around as a as a wide body? I think that's maybe right. Yeah. Yep. So I I mean will this be do you think that
7: this will like m- migrate its way west and start and come into service in Europe? I don't be a know. desirable alternative? Wow. Well, well, uh I mean political climate notwithstanding with what's going on
2: over there right now. Yeah, I mean right? if we can avoid yeah. uh, World um, War 3, maybe. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Well, I mean there's that and there's the whole, you know, little Tiny itty bitty little detail um, called certification, which uh, Mm you know it's not usually very easy um, to navigate through. Um, But I mean, hey, if the demand's there and the money's there,
4: uh, well, uh, you know, maybe it's one of those things where if it takes takes hold um, in the local economy and proves itself well, then you know that makes that certification process easier down the road. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, or more. Um, more favorable, maybe.
2: And I I think also it depends on, you know, what kind of engines are being used to power the thing, right? Um, I don't know. We'll see. Um, Let's see. Uh, Josh continues. I wish the crew a visibility of zero miles and 90 knot crosswinds. Shoot, did I mess that up? (laughs) Jokes aside. No, you sound like my sim instructor.
4: (laughs) Weather's always perfect in there, isn't it?
2: Uh, No. Thank you for creating such a lovely podcast that not only satisfies my aviation craving, but also provides a calming, usually, break from AP coursework. And yes, I wish the crew clear skies and calm winds. Ciao. Josh from San Diego. And he says, P.S., uh, I should clarify, I was excited to be a co-star of the show for a bit. The true star stars of the show will always be the APG crew. Just had to stop my high schooler ego from reaching new heights. Have a great show. Yeah, Josh, keep it in check, would you? Come on. All right. It's always good to hear from you. Thank you for Absolutely. sending in the feedback. No,
4: I like to hear the uh, the excitement of the young folks. You can see yep. that as a Hey, we were all there one time. We all. Oh, yeah, absolutely.
2: That's oh, why absolutely. I really appreciate uh, you, Steph, and Rick and uh, Nick Camacho. I always enjoy from hearing the, the kids' point of view. Yeah. Come
5: no, Camacho. in all seriousness, I mean. I don't appreciate them. How Do, how did we, we help Rick figure Rick, out how old, how old is he actually Rick
3: again? is? Well, yeah. How
5: old are you, Yeah,
6: Rick?
4: you need to fix that errata from um, the last episode.
5: I'm 44. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> You're
4: going the wrong way. You're going Wait, the 30, wrong 30, way.
5: 30, 37? No. <laughs> no, <laughs> no and dog certainly, ears. Certainly, I, I remember growing up um, and, and thinking about – I had all these questions and all these things I wanted to ask someone that was actually in the industry. And I would have given anything to have access to some kind of medium that would be able to mm-hmm. – you know, answer those questions. Someone that was actually in the industry, someone that actually did what I wanted to do, what my you know my, my dream job was. Um, and this is really cool that you know you're you're able to, you know, uh, reach out and 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 talk to people that are willing to you know not only answer your questions but share their passion for your passion. And mm-hmm. that is what is just that's what it just makes me so. It just.
1: Makes the warm so,
5: yeah, it makes me feel so so lucky to be able to, to, yeah. to, to not only be in this position, but to inspire the next generation of aviator, because I wish I'd had something like this growing up, and that wasn't the case. So
2: You know, this really truly is um, a time in history where uh, the technology uh, is mostly good, uh, like what you just mentioned, you know, being able to hear people talk about doing the job that they dream of doing at some point in their future. But also, a time where if you're going to replace the uh, mix valve in your Delta shower uh, thing and uh, you just go to YouTube and p- do the search terms, YouTube and is you amazing. Can watch people do it. And it's, it's so incredible because, you know, I think that Rick, you may be old enough to remember and maybe Nixie and stuff uh, that, uh, like, when you were doing work on your car. You had to go and get the Chilton's manual or the whatever the other manual was called.
4: Or just yeah, like, Ains you know, take Ains it back Ains. to uh, probably for, for our generation. You're going to write a report for something in school and you got to pull out, dust off the encyclopedia sets and uh, mm-hmm. go leafing through the, you know, the index and figure out where that, you know, entry is. And it's well, not just I, at your, magically at your fingertips on the Google machine or Wikipedia.
5: Well, I, I, I wouldn't know. I'm only 26. So...
2: Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> By the end of the show, he's going to be like a five-year-old. Like, yeah, He'll exactly. Exactly.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I, I seriously that, just yeah. did that, though, Jeff. I uh, I did a fair amount of um, work to the interior of my car using someone's YouTube uh, tutorial, and there it worked go.
2: great. Yeah, hands-made. Yep. You can yeah, teach yourself
5: orbital mechanics on YouTube. Like, you really can. So it's,
2: uh, wow. it's, it's, it's just it's pretty it's amazing time. On the other hand, there are some, you know, downsides to it as well. But uh, I think... For the most part, most of uh, we humans in this world are are good people. It's uh, unfortunately we get to hear a lot and in then the news about all the, the that crash Taylor crafts on YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> hold that thought. Yeah, <laughs> <might be> <laughs> put some more of those there. in there. <laughs> yeah, but the clout, man. Come on, the clout.
4: <laughs> he's just. I mean, you know, I, I don't know if you put that one in the. Uh, I don't think I shared it too many places, but he's just, you know. Mm-hmm. Socially awkward and he needs to participate in solo skydiving. And that's how else are you going to not have to deal with anybody else ever?
2: (sighs) Well, you know what? Let's do that, Liz. She's thinking, let's jump over to 19. Um, See, when
5: when stuff like that comes around, I feel like
2: I'm 57. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I don't even remember what 57 felt like. So long ago. (laughs) It was, it was, it was a good time.
5: Well,
2: 1957. I wasn't even born back then. I'm talking, I thought you were talking about age 57. Okay. Um, we have this uh, feedback from Magnus. He says, warning to all GA pilots, a guy sucked out of his GA plane. It's a YouTube video. And He said, hi, Captain Jeff and crew, just wanted to recommend the video as a warning to all GA pilots out there. A guy got sucked out of his small GA aircraft and, uh, he says, scary stuff. Take care. Best regards. Magnus Gladden. Um, PS, Dr. Steph, um, where? have your, where your, there we go. Wear your parachute when flying. Thank you. Uh,
5: so I did, uh, I did know J aircraft, uh, had to contend with a uh, Delta P.
2: But apparently they do. Well,
4: uh, I mean, well, he's going to explain why here in a minute, oh, and oh, and oh. you'll be, you'll yeah if you know. I,
2: I yeah it's he, okay. uh, yeah uh, it's a completely he brings different, up a lot of good points. It's a it's a different take on the um, on that video that we watched a couple of episodes ago, uh, Trevor Jacobs' mm. uh, airplane crash. So let's uh, let's take a look at this or listen. Mm-hmm.
9: Hey guys, I'm Brian and today I want to talk about something that nobody is talking about. This aviation YouTuber guy got sucked out of his airplane while he was in flight. Um, I've seen a couple of people talking about it and there's some people saying that maybe it was a stage stunt. No, what happened was the door came open in flight and he gets sucked right out of the plane. This happens a lot. Um, if you watch movies... Um, Any movie where there's a plane, probably at some point people are going to get sucked out of the plane. It happens all the time. Elements. It happens in oh, no. big planes. Oh. And it happens in these small planes. And it happens to poor oh, Trevor good. here. Okay. Um, so oh, I want to talk Trevor. through this video a little bit and show you some of the warning signs early yeah. on and how he struggled <laughs> to try to stay in the plane. Um, but at the end yeah. of the day, he did end up getting sucked right out. And thank God he had a parachute because yeah. otherwise he would have died. <laughs>
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Not staged yeah, I love at all. The way he yeah. the camera. <laughs>
4: Just, died.
2: Just plain silly is the YouTube channel. This guy is that is... The dude's name or oh, it's his name that's
3: of... the guy who runs
4: this.
2: All right, so yeah, our okay. friend
9: Trevor is about to make probably one of the scariest flights of his life, and it's for a good cause. A friend of his passed away uh, in 2015, and he's going to go uh, spread the ashes uh, from his airplane or a paramotor or something.
7: I got my best friend Johnny Strange's ashes with me.
9: And so the guy apparently, I guess, passed away about seven years ago, but if you keep the ashes in a Ziploc bag, then it's, it's, it's still fresh for the disbursement or whatever. No
7: disrespect to Johnny. So the flight Andrews, plan, is he, is he, is he filed
2: for, for two passengers? like a pilot and he another guy? Or he off one of man. his
7: favorite two, mountains up in the Sierra one Nevadas two. and uh, I, spread some of those.
2: Let me back this up. I, I love the way It's he so funny, this. his
9: comment about it. Yeah.
2: yeah. Here we go. He's no going to
9: uh, spread the ashes
7: uh, from his airplane right. or a paramotor or something. I got my best friend Johnny Strange's ashes with me.
9: And so the guy apparently, I guess, passed away about seven years ago. But if you keep the ashes in a Ziploc bag, then it's 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 still fresh for the disbursement or whatever. No disrespect to Johnny, just to Trevor. No, we <laughs> are going
7: to go paraglide off just one, to one of his favorite mountains up in the Sierra Nevadas and uh, spread some of those. So I'm super grateful he'll be joining us. Got to give a shout out to the Ridge Wallet.
9: I saw some no, people course. on YouTube saying it was tacky, that he was talking about spreading his friend's ashes and then just diving right into an advertisement for that wallet. But that's the Ridge wallet. It, um, it holds your credit cards, your IDs. It's oh. got RFID oh. protection. And there's a little pouch for ashes if you have a small friend that you want to disperse from a <laughs> little airplane. I was going to make fun so of so the exactly just that right what He's doing <laughs> okay, So we're taking off. Everything seems normal. Taking off. Everything's normal. Uh, typical flying video where you don't have your mic plugged in, so you're just shouting over the engine <laughs> noise. That's how a lot of aviation YouTubers do it. Uh, I, do I haven't checked time. his other videos. Yes, I have. He normally has, uh, I don't know why not on this one. Hmm. A lot of people are speculating that there's something wrong with this fuel valve over here. Uh, a lot of pilots will just move it over to the right so they can just, uh, switch. it's like a fidget. That's what they do. Yeah, <laughs> I he, is. Is. He, he has no idea yeah. he's in danger. That's what I do. Especially the long flights. So it's flying along, everything's normal. Oh my God, you can see the door has come open. And so what Uh-oh. do you do when the door comes open? You gotta turn that it? engine off. Because if you're flying too fast when that door comes open, you get sucked right out, and Trevor knows this. Uh-oh. You can see him hanging onto the steering wheel trying to keep from getting pulled out of the airplane.
3: Uh-oh. I'm
9: telling you, he's, he's not gonna win this battle.
3: Uh-oh. No, he's not,
5: no,
9: he's, he's trying to hold the door closed insulation. right there. Can't do it, he's cussing because this is a very real scary situation and it's no way staged. I hope
5: the F A C. This explains it all.
9: You hear it? he's cussing because the suction, and you can hear the wind. Look, it's pulling him out. He's struggling to. He's holding the door closed. Oh. He can't do it. You hear those beeps?
5: Is that cursing, or is it just beeping?
9: Look, the door's coming open. Okay. He can't keep it shut.
5: No. Look,
9: it's opening. It's keep coming. Oh. Don't don't do it, Trevor. Hold the door shut, Trevor. Don't get do it, sucked Trevor? out of your plane, Trevor least trevor he can't do it look it's pulling his seatbelt out look it's got his arms coming out
5: it unhooked it too that's it got uh it
1: no 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 trevor
5: okay
9: he had a parachute though uh you can see he's still being sucked out of the plane uh the suction goes all the way to the ground
5: (laughs) all the way to the ground oh look at that he's got a camera
9: yeah, with it's one of those now you can see go the engine pros. is started yeah, back we'll start up and the plane's thing. flying away. A lot of times the planes will do that. Once the pilot's gone, they just go where they want to go. It's kind of weird. Kind of weird. All right, now the plane's going to land itself right here. In, <laughs> yeah, that, that's the uh, good, we'll see that that's shot
3: again. It's
2: good landing. Firmly, yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's a
3: so
2: firm landing. So he's
9: going to have to now hike back to the plane so he can fly it out of there. Um, so he can tell the story of what happened to him. Um, but this guy needs, um, to but so that RPG actually part. happened. He was pulled out of his plane. And so there are some planes that are susceptible to door- If you're flown in a bonanza, the doors come open on those all the time. <laughs> Cessnas, the doors don't even fully close. <laughs> um, so if you're not careful and you don't have your seatbelts, you know, secured, you get sucked right out of the airplane it happens all the time. So you guys need to be careful. Um, I know there are a lot of people that were saying that this was a staged stunt and that he did this for for views. Um, and while I don't believe it is, I think that's not a bad idea. Um, so uh, I'm going to do some of that on my channel to see if I
4: can get my numbers up. So um... <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll, I'll send you the link to um, Trevor Jacobs School of Solo Skydiving, too, because it's equally um, Humorous and entertaining. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Okay. No, yeah, no. we'll put that another, in the show notes another as well.
7: YouTube uh, video. Yes.
2: Yeah, they're having fun with with the whole thing. Yeah, you Love know
5: that guy. He's awesome.
7: So yeah. Yeah, yeah, that guy runs a whole YouTube channel based on satire. Yeah. And you go watch his videos. They're they're great. It's like a perfect blend of like cheesy production value, but like funny items. And getting back to like the good and bad sides of the FAA, he he's been reported for. Like some of the dumb satirical satirical stuff he's done.
2: Oh, really? He's oh, been in trouble is, with yeah, the uh, FAA. Yeah,
7: I think yeah. Uh, he made a video about it. I have to go back and look, but he, you know, he made a comment on a on someone else's video asking about a CFI, uh, and he said, "I could do it for you, but I'm not a real CFI, so you have to pay me under the table or something." And, <laughs> oh, uh,
4: and the FAA—they didn't like the, that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
3: no huh, sense. I wonder why they didn't word. like that. That's uh... yeah, it's great. <laughs> I uh, they not I, understand I really
5: that. That was that was a lot of fun. Um, dry wit. You, you can certainly got. You can certainly tell. But you know what though? I mean, if someone um, kind of doesn't get, doesn't uh, they? They they don't have a little bit of the background information of the whole thing. You know, they, they you they know, somebody might might take this as serious.
2: Um, oh, that's true. So that's true. So, uh, but and that was, someone uh, has
4: no sarcasm uh, radar. Like right. Yeah. You know. No
2: Humor is a, you know, can be a risky thing, you know, but anyway. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. We enjoyed a, it. A, a lot of people don't realize that I'm really, really funny. it's If you don't think I am, it's because you don't really have any sense of humor. You, you don't know, understand basically. comedy. You don't, yeah. You don't understand comedy. Exactly. Exactly. Wait. wait.
4: Yeah. Those were jokes? Shut up. <laughs> I'm sorry.
2: All right. Let's move to five before we have to do some serious uh, you know, shuffling uh-huh. around. Of crew members
7: Real quick, yeah. Neil mentions the RAF Luton Twitter account. That's another great one oh, is mm-hmm. for anybody who's into like aviation satire.
2: Yeah. RAF Excellent. Luton or Because
4: there is no RAF Luton. No. And they oh, you know, I
2: think definitely. we have <laughs> we, we, we've had that or he, something. You may have that mentioned channel, that. Right?
4: Stan Airport or something <laughs> another UK uh, satire. Yeah, pretty funny too.
2: Yeah. All right. Let's move to uh, number five from Nikki. Um He sent us in some, well, here, let me read this. Uh, hi, APG crew. Congratulations for the 500th episode. Well, thank you. I have been a listener from almost the beginning, but I've remained more of a passive enjoyer of the show, having sent feedback only twice in the past. Well, come on. You got to do better than that. I uh, wanted to share with you a few aviation-related headline stories from Finland, which may be of interest to some listeners. I certainly would like to hear what the crew has to say. And uh, let's do uh, story number one here with a short summary. Helsinki Airport had to close for the first time since 2003. On Friday, the 10th of December, the weather in Finland was challenging due to icing and wind. Based on the forecast, Finnair had preemptively canceled some flights the day before, but on Friday, the weather deteriorated towards the evening, and eventually the airport had to close completely for a few hours, causing planes to divert to Turku, Tampere, Tallinn, and Stockholm. After the airport had reopened in the early hours of Saturday, Finnair's A350-900 heading to Dubai slid sideways when entering the runway 15. According to various sources, the aircraft was entering the runway after de-icing, but could not turn in time, and then uh, ended up sideways on it. Based on media reports, the aircraft remained on the runway, but there was not sufficient space to maneuver, and the aircraft had to be towed. They went back to the gate and eventually departed at 4.26 a.m. And Liz is putting on the uh, video here, It looks like one of those cameras in the tail. Uh, facing forward of the uh, A350 on the runway. And, yeah, it doesn't look like it's perfectly lined up for takeoff. And, uh, it's a little askew. A little askew. No, yeah. one hell of a crosswind. Man. Yeah, that 90-knot crosswind thing. Yeah, I think that Keto activity.
6: controller lined them up there.
2: Yeah. Oh, the, Liz says maybe the Keto controller lined them up for uh, takeoff Gosh. or taxiing <laughs> or something. <laughs> Um, this was, it was supposed to be runway
4: 1-5, one, one, uh, <laughs> take off runway you know. Two uh, seven.
2: Put the wrong yeah, yeah, runway
5: Runway 4-2. Uh, 4-2. Uh, <laughs> <Four
4: two.
2: laughs> <laughs> okay. While the A350 was entering the runway, another Finnair flight, 1692 from Tenerife, was on approach but had to enter holding when the runway was blocked. The Tenerife flight, an A321, had earlier diverted to Tallinn where it waited for the Helsinki airport to be reopened. The flight departed Tallinn at 2.52 a.m., but the quick 20-minute hop across the Baltic Sea ended up taking more than an hour as it remained in holding while waiting for the runway to be reopened. So, oops. Yeah, the yeah. runway was a little i tell you super- what,
5: though. I mean, Tallinn, Tallinn's, not a, Tallinn's not a bad place to be
2: uh, held uh, in, a, yep. uh, in a delay.
5: I Tallinn's a really cool little town little oh, in Estonia. Yeah? So you think
2: that maybe uh, they got off and were able to get off the airport and hit the local pub and do the... uh, At 2.30 in the morning?
5: Oh,
2: oh, they're open.
5: Trust you me, they're open. (laughs) They're open? Oh,
2: wow. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, So he uh, had some comments and and his own thoughts. He says, positives, the media intervened, uh, interviewed the airport and airline representatives, not just Passengers that is a positive. Negative, it's worth uh, it's worrying that the A350 had the incident to begin with. Finland is a bit like Canada when it comes to winter weather. It seems that these sorts of weather related incidents have become more common in recent times. Is it just bad luck or is there something more to it? Some weeks back APG covered another Finnair 350 story, also winter weather on ground incident. And I seem to recall that the APG crew noted that the airport maintenance had fewer staff working due to COVID's impact on operations. Yeah. yeah. Is that the one where you took out the uh, taxiway sign? I think so. Uh, I don't
4: remember if that was that, that one or occurrence or the different but I,
5: but I remember that being the crux of the whole situation and the whole staffing thing and, and you yeah. know, due, due to COVID. And I tell you, I mean, and I know you've done it too, Jeff, Um, taxiing around and... Slippery, icy conditions on an airplane that weighs, you know, 400, 500, 800,000 pounds um, is very, very, very tricky. Um, uh, Oftentimes, you know, you go to... And it's happened to me, it happened to me in St. Louis uh, last year, although I didn't make the news, which well, because nothing really happened. But, you know, you just feel the airplane kind of sliding around and you're just, you know, it gets to a point where you're no longer steering with the tiller, but with differential braking and, you know, dissim- and, uh, um, uh, dissimilar power, a little bit from the left, a little bit from the right. And uh, add to that the fact that you can't see a lot. Um, it gets to be very, 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 very dicey. Um, so it's it's not a um let I me mean, we're not saying that the pilots really did anything wrong here. It's just that the conditions outside are such that this sometimes happens and it's just, you know, uh, it's just the name of the game. But um
4: Yeah, I don't know that it's becoming more you say, is that becoming more frequent or common? I don't think so. I think these things have
2: maybe we're just More people out there with Cell phones and
4: oh yeah, for sure. It's yeah. easy to throw throw something up on Twitter real quick and you know attract media yeah, attention. and
5: exactly. And and if it does happen to you, I mean, all you can really do is just you know just just set the brakes and just, just um start the APU if you didn't leave the APU on after and just start and shut down and just uh, get uh, towed out and just go yeah. from there. Um, and hopefully you didn't hit anything. Um, right. file some paperwork and just you know go go right back at it. So
2: yeah, really no big deal. Very good. The second story that uh, Nikki sent in uh, Finland orders 64 Lockheed F 35 fighter jets for $9.4 uh, $9. billion. And uh, I didn't um, put this one in the note here, but we're going to put the link. In the show notes uh, from Reuters.com. He said, this one is well covered by international media, so I'll not go into detail. I just thought this might be a big enough news item to be covered by APG, considering the scale of the order. That yeah, is a lot of F-35 jets, that's for sure. 64, 64. wow. Um, so, if you want to uh, read about that uh, article... Uh, it'll be in the show notes. And uh, he ends his feedback by saying, once again, congratulations for the 500th episode. Hopefully in the future, I can make it to one of the live events or meetups. Thank you for the excellent show. You and me, buddy. You and me. Yeah, we're all looking forward to getting us all together in the future. Thank you, Nikki. Um, All right. Uh, uh, Let's see. Texas and Lashock starting the year with funnies. He says, greetings, Captain Jeff and APG crew. First feedback of the year. And I thought I'd start off with something a little light, namely a video I found a while back of comedian Brandon Vestal uh, doing a routine in a place called the Dry Bar. Now, I know you beer drinkers are probably wondering, what's the point of a dry bar? Where is such a place as a dry bar? In answer, I have two words. Provo, Utah. I, I should the Estonia. No, telling that a stone. Telling stone. no yeah. not
4: their, their bars are open no, no, apparently no, all night long. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. It's the opposite. Provo, Utah, uh, where in their uh, probably not the case anymore, but the Wendy's across the street from the um, university pool where we swam our high school state meets um, also had um uncaffeinated versions of like Coca-Cola and oh. Dr. Pepper.
2: <laughs> cool. Well that's boring. <laughs> um <laughs> Welcome to Provo. <laughs> anyway, it also means that the comedians can't swear every other word, but all that's besides the point. Actually, I don't mind that oh. part of it. The swearing. Yeah, if the I think some comedians funny, it doesn't need the Yeah, some comedians think that if they're not swearing uh, like every other word, uh, it's not funny. But um I don't think that's the case myself. Anyway, mm-hmm. in this video, Mr. Vestal talks about a number of topics, but near the beginning, he talks about aviation and describes various experiences he's had while flying. It goes on for a while, six or seven minutes, so you probably can't get all of it, but I do hope you can get at least part of it on the air. I've time marked several sections. My personal favorite is being towed into the gate, partially because this happened to me recently on one of my flights. The plane shut down and the captain announced we had to be towed to the gate. In this case, it was due to the gate being in something of a corner. So I guess they didn't want Sunday driver pilots darting in there. Anyway, here's to a good year. Clear skies to you all. This is the Texas Amla Shock signing off. And now, oh, I see we already have that up there, uh, Liz. Um, I'm going to start the, uh, I've, I've just clipped a, just a
0: couple little excerpts from, from this. He's very funny. It's good to be here to see you guys. I, was, I had a flight from Tampa to Los Angeles where I live, a couple of days ago and I was checking into that flight. You know, they make you put your bag on there and you weigh it. And that lady from the airline looked at me, she goes, sir, your bag is over 50 pounds. And for safety reasons, we can't put bags in excess 50 pounds onto the flight. So I start to grab the bag. She goes, but if you give us a hundred more dollars, We'll go ahead and throw it on the plane for you. (laughs) I was like, well, that's great, but how does that fix the safety issue (laughs) that you are just so concerned about? Let me get this straight. If I give you 100 more dollars, you're gonna turn on the extra safety features of this aeroplane. I didn't know that's how it worked. They shouldn't have gave me that kind of information. We were about to take off, like starting to put your seat up. We're about to take off. I just threw 100 at her. I was like, nope. <laughs> the flight from Tampa to L.A. was called Flight 10. That was the name of it, Flight 10. I didn't feel very comfortable flying across the country on Flight 10. Every flight I've ever been on has been a strong four-digit number. Flight 1455, they check both engines before that flight takes off. Flight 10, that sounds like a test. That sounds like there's just some guys in the room trying some stuff, you know, and it's not been going well. It's like they're in a room like, guys, Flight 9, that was a disaster. You really need the wheels. You need the wheels, you do you do you don't need them for the flying part but you definitely need them for the landing part so i was kind of right. <laughs> right had something happen to me it's never happened before i had a flight from l.a to charlotte and had a layover in baltimore and the plane landed it got 20 yards from the gate and the plane stopped and the pilot came on he's like sorry ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be here a while we can't just pull this plane up to the gate we got to get a tow uh,
3: this model Econ plane course. has to
0: be towed in oh yeah Have you
3: yeah, Chad,
0: for sure. That was driving me. I was like, what do you mean, He had the And he kept, coming, on, we waited like 40 minutes for this tow to show and he kept talking like that was no, he's like, sorry, this model plane, this model plane needs a tow. I was like, you mean the model plane that just took off from Los Angeles, California? Used two massive engines to get up to 30,000 feet and then soared from sea to shining sea like a proud, bald American eagle? Used its fancy gizmos and gadgets on board to locate one strip of concrete in Baltimore, Maryland. Landed safely on that concrete, got 20 yards from the gate, and all of a sudden, that same plane is like, nah. Mm-mm. It happened. Yeah. Mm-mm. I am exhausted right now. America is big, man. And then the tow showed up. It was the size of a golf cart. It wasn't a small, it was a big plane towed at like 20 feet. And then I had golf clubs on the back of it. All
2: right. Uh, so you should um, look at the video. There's a lot more to it. That was just a couple small, short excerpts. But uh, now, talking about the towing into the gate, um, hmm. I, I heard uh, Steph and Rick um, kind of commenting in the background about uh, there's a certain area or a certain gate or gates in the Baltimore area. Um, but the, the gates that we fly into in, into and Baltimore, we we don't have that kind of situation. But Los Angeles, at least in our older uh, – the where we used to be in Los Angeles at our, at our old terminal gates, there were several gates that required you to stop the airplane, have them hook up the uh, – tug and then drag you in the rest of the way and it was because of the congestion in the area and they don't want you mm. to go in there um, you know even if you have both engines or all engines running because it might be uh, if, if it's perfectly planned and you don't have to stop you could do it with a momentum and keep the power at idle or close to idle and it wouldn't be a big deal but sometimes as we all know uh, you have to stop short of the gate and then to get the airplane rolling again, you got to add, you know, a considerable amount of power. And if things are kind of tight, uh, they, uh, you know, you could you could end up blowing over baggage carts and causing all kinds of damage and possibly injury. So uh, there are certain flights that uh, require that. Now, why it took almost 40 minutes? I don't know. That might be some comedic. That sounds
4: like embellishment, perhaps. Issue, perhaps. Well, yeah, um, or it could be
2: go, just, go just go in, be, make yeah. it make it more funny. Make
4: uh, it more but, funny. Yeah. Well, just like. um Texas Anlish Oxide in Charlotte, it's because of the the tight corners. There's a couple of gates on the e-concourse for the regional flights where yeah, it, it would be tricky to to taxi into those places. And like you look at the line that's painted on the ground for the tug to, to pull it around and it makes this like question mark, you know. So um, you have to basically follow that to get it lined up perfectly. And yeah, that's why they, they tow you in there. Funny story yeah. though, about um, needing to be towed to the gate um, not too long ago, maybe last summer. Um, On a flight that arrived into Atlanta, and I won't name the airline that this occurred with, um, but it Mm. wasn't Acme. Oh, good. (laughs) Yeah, not Acme. (laughs) Good. Um, Uneventful flight, you know, short from Charlotte, like 40-something minutes, easy. Taxi off the runway and park at the gate, um, or so we thought. And, I'm, you know, I'm sitting on the left side of the aircraft, kind of towards the front, and I'm going... Oh are we gonna I don't like that we don't usually use stairs here, but I'm like looking at how far we are from the jet bridge and I'm like, well, maybe it was like moved out of the way for something else I'm like, I don't know, just like proportionally doesn't seem right. we seem too far away here, the like engine shut down very clearly, we're sitting there, and then two seconds later, um yeah uh p a stay in your seats, please um we're gonna be, need to be towed a little bit farther up. they stopped us short of the line we needed to stop at so
2: whoops that happens Whoopsie. oh and they already shut down the engines oh yeah uh-huh yeah that's no good
5: yeah that, that, that happens that's happened to me actually yeah. and um yeah, All you do is you, you just hook up and you know. yeah i mean it wasn't any big deal it
4: was just like oh okay that's kind of oh, no. embarrassing but <laughs> came up a bit but short i
5: mean just, just just a second what what uh, what steffi and jeff are saying there i remember um um, especially um when you're taxing the seven forty seven around, uh especially the dash eight, which is the longest commercial airplane out there. Um I think the Ansinov two two five might be slightly longer, but uh, but anyway, just you know that the Dash eight is a very, very, very long airplane where uh you have two hundred and twenty-five feet um wingspan and then these engines, these GENX engines, you know, suck in and blow a whole lot of air. Uh, and it's very, very tricky taxing this airplane around, especially when you're sitting up like I mean, you might as be you might as well be taxing this thing up from the from the fourth story of a you know building somewhere. So it's really hard to keep the center mm-hmm. line and make those tight turns. So it, you know, oftentimes uh, that's exactly what you need to do. You just and it, and a lot of airlines, especially you know, uh, I know my airline does because I I refer to these all the time. They have what what are called uh, station guides, and um, uh, you will before flying into a particular airport that you don't fly into and out of all the time you'll review this information and oftentimes it'll tell you um uh you know based on where we usually park uh you are expected or you can expect to taxi up to a certain hold short point or a hold bar and just, just can, and uh shut engines down there make sure you have the APU going so you can you know maintain electrical and and air uh, and then uh, just basically have a uh, wait for a um, a tow truck to just pull you in because mm-hmm. of that because mm-hmm. because of the, the the space constraints and all that. So uh, it's 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 uh, it happens more often than uh, yeah. than than people realize. That you all sounds realize, absolutely yeah.
4: No, that yeah. all sounds reasonable. I think the case I was describing it was unintentional, but you know, no big deal.
5: Yeah, yeah, easily yeah. remedied. <laughs> You know, it's better
4: than the alternative of going too far. <laughs> you know, exactly.
5: That's ex- exactly what I was going to say right now. The, the worst. I mean, I hate this. one of my pet peeves, man. Like, you, you're, you're coming in. You're, you've got the, the center line right where it needs to be. You have the, just the right amount of momentum of the aircraft going in, and the guy's pulling you in. You know, everything's going great. And all of a sudden, he goes from just keep coming in to cross.
2: Yeah. And you have to slam like, on the brakes. <laughs> yeah. And- Damn it well i hate that in, in your airplane you don't have all the passengers to think about right um but in ours i'm thinking I, i'm gonna do that i'm gonna make a nice slow smooth stop and it's your fault for not giving you know not making it a proportionate motion to stop in a nice smooth way so unless i, I remember, know that they're about to hit something or whatever
5: yeah I remember so when I first when I first upgraded all those years ago I was I was flying passengers and uh, my Czech airman on my on, on one of the flights that I was you know I think it was it was my actual Czech flight but one of them anyway he was saying that uh, to always think about um, as you're coming in, you know ask yourself a question in your head you know as as, as to kind of gauge the amount of brakes required to stop the aircraft without the passengers even knowing. So basically what's going on here is like, all right, is the passenger is, is the captain a dumbass?" And if you step on the brakes too hard and everybody in the back is gonna go uh, yes because he just stopped on the you just stopped on the brakes too hard and then everybody just basically nodded. Oh yeah, he is. So you want what you want to do. <laughs> exactly. So what you want to do is you just you know just you know just the transition from those two or three or four knots ground speed to get you to this point where you basically stop without the without anybody even noticing. Mm-hmm. It it's it's a, it's a work of art, but it also it's 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 a team effort because it's not only the pilot that's doing it but you're also relying heavily on the marshaler. Yeah. And if the marshaller, you know, stops you suddenly, then you, know, you just have to stop on the brakes and, you
2: know.
4: And if that's, you stop without without the passengers even noticing, then maybe they won't all jump up before it's time after you. The-
2: ah. Yeah, they probably the will side. still. Anyway. No, they're already yeah, they're standing. standing. <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm concerned about a quick stop, because I know right. that there are several that are already standing. I don't want any injuries. Um, my best... Uh, story about being towed to a gate uh, happened when I was a first officer or may have. Yeah, I you know, <coughs> was a first officer. I only, I only flew first officer on the L-1011. We're going in into Dallas-Fort Worth. We had in our e-concourse uh, I think we're still in the e-concourse there although it's been a while since I've been into, into DFW. But we had the entire e-concourse and the south end of it We we used to come in via Taxiway India, at least that's what they called it back then and uh you uh there are certain gates that you would hang a left and other most of the gates you would kind of hang a right and everything is very very tight in that and there's all kinds of ground activity i mean it would make the uh air force safety officers just probably blow a fuse if they saw all the stuff that was going on there and uh so we're coming in, and the captain takes the airplane and he hangs a left like to one of the gates on the southernmost end of the uh of that curve. And by the time that any of us could were realizing that um,
1: the Lockheed TriStar
2: was going the wrong way, Uh, we (laughs) we, and before we could even like say anything or even make some kind of a noise, it was already we were committed. We were like, uh, uh, "Oh, our uh, gate's uh, over uh, there, huh?" (laughs) Yeah, we're uh, we're in this gate, and oh,
4: taxi to stand one two one four.
2: That's uh, that was it. Uh, you, you yeah. There was no getting out of it. You couldn't stop and then try to crank it around and turn. It was like you're committed now to this area, so we had to stop. We had to wait for a tug, and it wasn't a pre uh, a pre planned kind of deal. It was like a uh oh, yeah. Do you have an yeah. extra tug out here somewhere? You know, and it's got to be one of the big ones for the L ten eleven. To hook Mm -hmm. up and then back us up and then drag us around. That was very embarrassing. I I felt very sorry for that captain. Because I know that since I've been a captain, there have been a few times when I'm, like, just booking. That's one of those things, those skills as a first officer. You kind of have to go, hmm, yeah, no. He (laughs) doesn't know that our gate is, like, right there. All right, there's a gate. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then sometimes it happens so late. That you just go okay, there it goes. All right. Would you ask him if we could do a, a 180 and then turn back, go back to our gate, anyway? So it
5: uh, this is ha- this is something that happens, you know, every once in a while. I remember a couple of weeks ago. Um, so basically, um, when you take off from your origin airport to your destination, you really don't know where to say you're going to be parking, um, unless it's it's a place that you operate into all the time, and you know that that dedicated gate is there for you. But um, uh, in other type of operations, like the one I fly, uh, when you when you have to, um, uh, when you're flying freight or, or stuff like that, uh, you may park in a spot one day, and you may park in another spot another day, right? So basically, basically what you have to do is, um, on the en route portion of the flight, uh, you will send out an ACARS message to your dispatcher, asking him or her, what your parking spot is Uh, so the dispatcher is going to contact ground operations at your destination airport um, and then they're going to relay that information to your dispatcher and then your dispatcher is going to send that information to you and then obviously you will make a note of that and then include that in your um, approach and landing briefing Um, a couple weeks ago Going into Honolulu, um, flying with um, a good F.O., good friend of mine. Um, we overlooked that uh, little piece of uh, the procedure there. And so we figured, okay, well, we forgot to contact the dispatcher. We don't know where we're going to be parking. But it's uh, going to be very, very likely the south side of the airport. So we planned on an ILS 4 right approach, which is what we always do. Uh, and then... After we landed, uh, we taxied off to the right side of the runway. There, started taxiing down, looking for our our marshalers, uh, <laughs> and to our surprise, uh, we couldn't find any marshalers. We're like, oh, did, did they know we were coming in? Um, and by this point, uh, uh, the, the tower had uh, well, uh, tower had told us to tax the ramp with them, which was you know, which is which is very very common when you go in there because you're basically just taxing off the runway and straight into your parking spot. Um. We start taxiing down looking for our marshallers who didn't find any. And then the tower comes back to us and says, uh, so uh, Acme Giant 123, uh, please contact Grand on whatever the frequency is. We did. And then the 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 Grand frequency goes, uh, so by the way, guys, uh, you're not parking on this side of the airport. You're parking on the north side of the airport. And we're like, oh, man. So now.
6: Nope. <laughs> so now. Yeah, Ten minutes ago.
5: <laughs> yeah, it would have been nice to know, yeah, about 10, 15, yeah. 20 minutes ago. Um yeah. would have uh flown a different approach, but hey, what the hell? Uh but we they 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 you know gave us directions to and, and my whole thing here was I especially at night and we're tired and you know it's just time to go to basically the hotel. I don't like crossing any active runways. That's just me because I just like to taxi off the runway and just go straight to my parking. Well, if you look at a a um, a, um, a diagram of the Honolulu airport, to go from the south side of the airport to where we were actually parking, not only did we have to cross an active runway, we had to cross Two. three. Oh, three! <laughs> <laughs> so there Yay. goes my plan. Yep, <laughs> there goes Fail. my plan. <laughs> so. We taxied across the airport all the way up to the northeast side of the airport, uh, having to give way to several heavy aircraft taxiing out, heavy heavy aircraft taxiing, and and a very nice uh, Air, uh, Airbus A321neo that gave way to us until we could park in our spot. And uh, I had to buy the beers that night, so uh, <laughs> so that was uh, that was me. It uh, it it happens, yeah. But uh, yeah. you know, you learn from it.
2: Absolutely. Only cost a couple of beers, no problem. Exactly. Yeah. At least you didn't have to do the copy down this number. Give us a call. Mm.
5: Yeah, that, and I didn't show up on uh, on uh, Av
2: Herald. So uh, that's <laughs> yeah, all good. That's, that's always a good thing to yeah. stay out of. Exactly. All right. Okay. Oh, I was uh, going
4: to. Oh, I, I was going to say something. I totally go. forgot because um, you had been saying, Jeff, about how you don't know when you leave your destination which gate you're going to. Mm-hmm. Did you make a comment along those lines? Um, I did. I
3: did.
4: Yeah. Oh, Rick did. Sorry. Um, uh, for passenger operations, a lot of times um, you can look at the the app and it'll actually tell you, <laughs> at least give you an idea. Yeah. Well, the, we, commercial I mean, uh, side of it. you'll we have all, a
5: general idea. You have an idea of where you're going. you're going to, you know. Yeah. So, um, but. Uh, it's funny,
4: yeah. though. It's it rarely changes. Like it's it's scary, accurate that they know these things and sometimes like a day in advance.
2: Oh, uh, yeah. Although mm-hmm. I have a couple of different ways to kind of mm-hmm. oh, have I'm an sure idea I'm of sure what you. gate they're expecting us to go to. And it believe it or not, it changes quite often. And mm. for me, at least in my experience. And then, you know, like if you happen to be like running way early, uh, they'll realize, okay, this is not going to work because they're – the airplane that's in your gate is not scheduled to push back until this time. So sure, you know, sure, sure. not a, yeah. not a, not a risk. Happens, and I just pop on the PA as we're taxing in and say, Hey, we, we're so early because we're so good. Uh, mm. they, uh, we, they gave us a different gate. And so this is our new gate. You know, right? And you know what, now you
5: mentioned that, that is a, that is a very, very good point and, and another little bit of, you know, insight into, um, Uh, flying, freight, uh, well, and really, you know, airline flying um, all around. Um, So at least for us, um, we can leave up to 15, one, five minutes early without requesting an early release from uh, operations, from dispatch. Uh, Because when you leave early, there are many, many things that come come into play. Uh, One of them obviously being uh, there being a parking spot uh, for you on the other end. And then, you know, another thing being uh, rest requirements for the crew, because if you leave early, then, you know, it's just 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 a myriad of things that you have to take into account. Um, And so uh, oftentimes uh, if you want to leave early and you actually do, in fact, leave early, uh, you may end up arriving late because you may land at your destination ahead of schedule but you may not be able to block in until afterwards because you weren't supposed to be there that early so uh, uh, it can be kind of productive
2: sometimes that's one of those things that i've noticed over the years that passengers can kind of accept and not accept and one of those is when you get there like a half an hour before you were scheduled to, and you're thinking, this is great. We're going to give these people Mm -hmm. plenty of time to get from point A to point B uh, to their next connection flight. Because honestly, most of the time I'm flying through Atlanta, most people have connections. And, but if you get there too early and there is no gate available for you and you have to sit there for 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes waiting for the gate to vacate, uh that, I guess just it's just human nature. You're on the ground, going, "Okay, come on, let's let's go." Look at all these gates. I'm looking out the window. I see all these gates that are open, and what they don't realize is that all the associated um, you know cogs working together have to be changed if you like take one of those gates. You know, all the yeah. uh, the logistics outbound... don't work out right. Yeah, all the logistics is just a mess. And I found that it's sometimes better to just enter a holding pattern for a while. And it seems like nobody really is too concerned about that. Well,
4: you know why? Because you know um, for those who are savvy enough to realize, hey, we're approaching our destination. Hmm, I got to finish up my beverage here. Should I get up now and use the bathroom, the lav? Or should I wait until we're on the ground? Ah, now we're going to be on the ground in 20 minutes. I'll wait. And then you're on mm. the ground and you're sitting oh. there. And then they can't get up to use the lav. And
2: then Physiological issues. Yes. Like I just yes. had to deal with. Is. Well, Brittany's no. telling his great story. <laughs> Nature. <laughs> Which you I, missed. I think I, it was just too but much coffee. Was
4: it was okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It was great.
2: Yeah. I think no, I
4: the drank problem too is, much so, so, coffee.
5: Yeah. So, so you get to your gate. You, I mean, you, you, you finally have a, di- a, a gate assigned to you. But then guess what happens? You have to get towed in. Oh, yeah. Ah, that makes oh, it oh, even worse. That's just like, oh, are you
2: kidding <laughs> me? Insult
4: to injury right there. Yeah. <laughs> I
2: know. Ugh. <So, sighs> Yeah, so, uh, and this is something that really at ACME, it really hasn't been an emphasis uh, before, like four or five years ago. We just go and just press on, we get out early, and then we just figure out what we're going to do when we get to the uh, airport. Uh, but now, it's it's one of those things where you really think about, okay, should we actually leave this early? Uh, because is that going to affect us? when we get to the next place. and is, you know, So I the, think
4: it comes down to like, how do you keep your your customers happy, right? There's right. a lot of that in the news these days. Yeah. I will say I've noticed um, Acme in particular, um, you know, if you look on the board in the the gate area for the flight and it'll say on time or delayed, if that's the case. Sometimes it says early now,
0: mm-hmm. mm.
4: which is interesting. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's, you know, just trying to help people like, oh yeah, we're going to be early. Good, yeah, yeah they happy for this right now.
5: And there's another thing. There's another thing to that. I mean, it's not. It's not only um, being early on on your departure time and your arrival time. So you might leave on time, but you also have to keep in mind that uh, these gates are occupied for a certain number of minutes or hours, whatever it is, and that is factored into uh, what's called the cost index. So um, um, the so basically the cost index is a number uh, that is printed on your flight plan and the cost index, basically what it, what it, very basic terms, what it deals with is the cost of the operation, uh, fuel versus time. Um, and that number is a number that you put into your flight management system and that is how your flight management system figures out what your econ speed is or your, your most economic speed is. Um, oftentimes, because of all these variables it actually is cheaper to operate at a lower cost index meaning a lower speed uh yes you're going to burn a little bit of extra fuel because you're going to have uh you know slightly higher fuel burn because of your slightly higher pitch attitude to maintain the altitude and a slightly higher um uh, parasitic drag uh um well not, not, not parasitic that'd be the other one um Induced, but basically yes, induced drag. Right, slightly higher induced drag because because you're basically flying at a slightly higher pitch attitude. But anyway, uh, it it means that you're going to basically be landing at the exact time, at the precise time that you were expected, instead of having to you know expect instead of landing early and waiting on the ground and waiting for a gate to open and then not being able to 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 park when you thought you were going to park and people missing connections and all that stuff. So. Uh, slower sometimes is better.
2: Faster isn't always better. Well, that's what the girls say. Um, So (laughs) just a quick thing. Uh, One of the things that we do when we're usually into the, uh, somewhere in the latter part of our climb, or maybe even before that, but once we're above 10,000 feet, we're accelerating and we're getting out of that airport environment, uh, we will look at, um, our takeoff time and our projected flying time, and we see what we're uh, expected as far as our arrival time, and, uh, and if it's in a it's a 10 minute window that the company has you know proposed that this is where we we want you to be on the ground in this window, and then if it looks like you're going to be you know five or 10 minutes before that, then as Rick said, we can proactively go into the flight management system and adjust our cost index to uh, slow down a little bit now you could do that to a certain point but the air traffic control system is basing your flight's progress on progress on what you propose that you were going to do when you file the flight plan exactly so sometimes you have to make sure that they understand that instead of cruising at 7 8 Mach, we're going to be at Seven four and you say is it okay mm-hmm. if we slow down a little bit? And there are some actual parameters that we have to um adhere to plus ten then, minus
5: ten knots point zero one minus zero one mock. So anything outside of that then you, have to uh, you need to let to no, and, and not only because of uh, slot requirements or anything like that but remember you you're you're flying through a uh, an organized system mm-hmm. where um separation needs to be maintained between traffic at at altitudes because you don't you I mean you, you you not only have the vertical separation required by RVSM you also you also have uh lateral separation along um airways um mm-hmm. and so yeah i mean and and and, all, and as as Jeff was saying here uh, oftentimes, um, if you are trying to keep a schedule, uh, it might behoove you to perhaps stay on your planned route and refrain from accepting any direct twos yeah. that might shave time off your arrival. Um, and and the cool thing about this whole thing is that um, you, you can you can reference and actually uh, access this information in real time. You just have to look, you know down to the right of you the captain down to the left you're the fo to a little line on the control display unit that says uh, eta and so um, based on what's going on in and, and the flight at that time and the current conditions at that altitude that is going to be your eta uh, and you can kind of you know go go off of that and the cool thing also is that nowadays having um, real time direct communication with the uh, dispatch with, by a cars you can let them know real time what, what
2: what's going on and what to expect, and so uh, makes makes your makes life a lot easier. Yeah, it seems like more times than not, uh, in my experience, that uh, when we make an adjustment to the cost index, it's to increase it and make us fly a little bit faster because whatever the traffic uh, at the airport may have been, you know, more than it was planned for. Uh might have something to do with uh deicing et cetera, so you you know you're trying to make up some time and get passengers to the uh destination as uh, close as possible to the scheduled arrival time, but I have to say one of my Ooh, jeff's pet peeves is I don't get to play mm. that very often um, I like that though so <laughs> That's a, good one. A, a lot of our arrivals um RNAV arrivals have, um, uh, like, downwinds that they put you on, uh, and Uh, there is, like— Frankfurt. Frankfurt is notorious for that. Or Atlanta is a perfect example. If you're coming in from, let's say, the northwest or the southwest, and they're landing to the west, that means you're going to have to be put on a downwind— And there's really no way to let the FMS know exactly at what point you're going to turn base from that downwind. And so it kind of just projects a line out into space, like 25 miles or something. And my pet peeve is not that, but the pet peeve is my first officers just looking into the progress page of the flight management system. And just putting down, that's our time that we're expecting to be touching down. And that time, mm-hmm. I don't think they realize, is being used in all of our computer systems and our monitors for when the uh, when the flight is expected to touch down and arrive at the gate and everything. And a lot of times that could be like five, ten minutes off. And so mm-hmm. I try to say, okay, look, let's look at some other points on this arrival and... And then from from that point, let's see when we're expected to arrive, uh, and then add, depending on the situation, is it visual approaches? It's going to be a relatively short final. Is it a, a regular ILS approach? Then we'll add this. If, is it a PRM, a precision runway monitor kind of approach, which is... 20 to 25 miles out for final, a very long final. Mm. And then you can add, you know, adjust the estimated time of arrival based on that. And, you know, I'll tell you a little secret. The most accurate thing that I've found, and it's because for so many years, uh, flying airplanes that didn't have ACARS or flight management systems, the flight plan, that paper flight plan that I'm handed, if you... Add the time that's on that flight plan to the time that you lift off. And then if you're going straight into the airport, um, then that should be almost to the minute when you actually touch down. If you're going to go around and land the opposite direction, then add five minutes. If it's one of those Mm -hmm. airports where you have the PRM approaches going on, then add 10 minutes to it. And within a minute or two, it's going to be very accurate. And people are blown away by that. And they go, yeah, well, these... (laughs) This system has been around for decades and these uh, flight planning systems are extremely accurate and they know all the winds and everything else up there. So, you know, it's uh, I've I've um, been able to educate a lot of the newer pilots that we have as far as trying to get a, a, a very accurate time for when we're going to land so that uh, they're not surprised when we show up on the ramp and we're approaching the gate and we're like 10 or 15 minutes earlier than what they told them we were going to be so
5: well i'm only 22 so uh I'm, I'm only, oh, well, oh you yeah, haven't you haven't have i thought at this point
4: you were going to be yeah. below legal <laughs> no. drinking age we have to take your beer away from you
5: well yeah, i mean
2: we're, we're getting there uh, once i get rid of this beer i'll probably be 19. <laughs> what was that movie Second, benjamin's uh, button or benjamin button, benjamin. button. Benjamin. yeah the, the curious case, case of, benjamin of benjamin button, button. <laughs> yeah that's show title possibly i don't know <laughs> tequila tower though <laughs> i don't know still if we can pass
4: too, yeah tequila towers
2: <laughs> tequila tower i think it's gonna be it yeah. yeah okay um anything else oh
5: no that was a good one i enjoyed that that was fun wow
2: i just hit that button again but luckily it didn't do
6: it didn't remove you
5: from the bad the, thing it did
2: to take me out of the show <laughs>
6: So Jeff,
2: yes, did you Liz? see
6: the note? Did you see the note I sent you with the suggested items? Please. That yes, I did cover.
2: see that note with the suggested oh, okay. order, but um, I'm going to refer to it um, right now. Uh, Nine, ten, eleven, twelve, fourteen. Okay. Well, I can't believe it. We're not going to be able to knock out all of this <laughs> feedback. I figured um, she'd be over there saying, "Hey, pick up the pace." I know. Well, that's basically no. what she's saying. She
4: knows. <laughs> well, yeah.
2: I've
6: learned. I've learned not to do that.
2: I'm listening to her say blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Just kidding. She has not done that. Well, maybe (laughs) she was just when she was muted. Anyway, uh, let's move to nine from our main man, Micah, our sound engineer and um, (laughs) Portland, Maine airport expert. And uh, he sent us some feedback regarding that airport, Portland Jetport's primary runway to close for nearly two months this spring. And this is from the Portland Press Herald. Um, oh, wait a minute. This is to uh, Liz, not me. Hello, lovely Liz. Here's a news story for the next show. It's one that Jeff could definitely comment on because he's flown in here regularly. The big issue is the north-south runway is much shorter than the east-west runway. Additionally. The prevailing winds come from the east or the west and are often quite strong as it's right off the ocean, which means landing in the shorter runway will almost always be in a crosswind. Lastly, ACME's is the last flight of the day coming into Portland. It's usually right around midnight after the airport will be closed completely based on the article. And so the article talks about the fact that they're going to be doing runway rehab work uh, done once every 15 years involves milling the 7,200 foot long surface conducting a pavement overlay and upgrading primary runway lighting to LEDs.
6: Jeff I know there's an uh, there's a slide for this but the slides seem to have disappeared from the stream yard there.
2: Oh well I can fix that Miss Liz um so we go to the you just hit the share button and then slides and then keynote 507 and then add to stream. There we go. And then I'll let you find that slide if you want. Thank you. Okay. Um, anyway, the primary runway, the uh, east-west runway, uh, is going to be closed for nearly two months. And uh, talking about reworking it and adding LED lighting, which is going to leave the um, the shorter uh, north-south runway uh, in use. And uh Yeah. That just makes it a little sportier for... Hey, Jeff, how, how do you like uh, LED
5: runway lighting, honestly? Well...
4: I'm curious what you guys think about I, it as well. I Having recently flown to an airport that switched its lighting. I miss
2: the... Uh, I like the incandescent better. The LED I too. Especially when they first put... The, you know, I think, Rick, you'll agree with me. When they first put the LED lighting in, it's just like super bright. Like too bright. Yeah. And then I yeah. think they've done yeah. something to, uh, to, you know, mitigate Attenuated that a little, bit, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. But I don't know. I just, uh, the incandescent just works for my pilot brain a little bit better for some it, reason. It,
5: really, it, it does for me too. I remember a couple months ago we we're going into Ontario, uh, two, six left. And it was my FO's first ever no S, um, auto land that he's ever done. Um, and so we were coming in, uh, and uh, we never broke out, ever. All we felt was a thump at uh, touchdown, uh, which we could still do at that time. Thank you, 5G. Um, <laughs> and um, all, all, all we saw really was at the very, very end there, this was right before the sun came up, uh, the cloud layer, what looked like the cloud layer, obviously because we're still in the cloud, it got a lot brighter, but we never saw a runway light, and so exactly, so Steve Nibby says, "Blind you in the fog." So it's, yeah. that's that's exactly what happened, and so um, I'm not, I mean, yeah, it's brighter, it's crisper, it's yeah, whatever, but it's, I feel like whenever I whenever I request tower to to to, like actually tone the lights down a little bit uh it's it's never enough um i like incandescent a lot better i really do so i agree what's what that's what what you think on that
4: no i agree with you guys it's too bright and not even in fog you know low-vis conditions just if you've been flying along nighttime night cross-country stuff and you know, you just had you know, red lights, and everything's very... The ambient lighting is, is perfect for night conditions, and then, like, right as you cross the threshold, all of a sudden it's, like,
2: daylight in your face. And I find yeah. it very mm-hmm. distracting. Yeah. yeah, Very. And especially in fog, you know, when you really need to see some fine details uh, in the runway surface. These lights sometimes are so... I, I just was reminded, um, Grand Rapids, I think they had just... I think there were LED lights. I'm not sure. But uh, regardless, it was after the tower had closed. We're coming in late at night, uh, landing uh, on the north-south runway. And we did the, you know, the clicks, the five clicks, seven clicks. How many clicks do we do? I don't remember exactly. Seven 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 for high. Seven seven. for high and then five. we, We did that and we're going like, whoa, okay, there it is. You know, it's like you could see it from, you know, 30 miles out, 40 miles out. And as we got closer, I go, okay, that's going to be a little bit too bright. Um, there was a lot of snow on the ground and everything else, so I you know, clicked at five or clicked at three, and yeah. uh, it, it was either that's, full brightness or zero, nothing. Yeah, <laughs> and that's all well so good
4: though. Like you're trying to turn it down, but you know, the airport they're going to their CTAF, is like the most common, you know, frequency in the area. So everyone in like a you know ten mile radius that's flying and trying to turn on. Lights keeps doing it seven times, so it doesn't matter what you said it to. Damn just it! Just, Stop it! Stop! Stop. Well, I wonder if that's what here. happened,
2: but I never saw it, anything less than either full bright or off. And I just looked over at the first officer and said, uh, first off, it was my first time in a Grand, Rap- Grand Rapids, and I said, "Okay, well, I guess we're just going to have to use the full bright because you know we can't can't land with no runway lights um, unless you're landing you in. Afghanistan or something, right, Rick? Yeah, and then you told
5: him, dude, you're lucky I have 742 carrier traps.
2: Uh, it might be, um, <laughs> well, that landing was very similar to a carrier trap, <laughs> I can tell you. Uh, firm. Extra firm. Yeah. So um, you were, that was you with you the, one of the PAs that I make when I have a firm landing. Okay. I said, oh, this is okay. Captain Crash. You uh, pretty much better damn sure make sure that uh, you are careful when you open up those overhead bins. Because you know things are going to be <laughs> all jumbled about. Yeah, they've sure. definitely yeah, shifted. Sure. Yeah.
4: Oh yeah. Interestingly though, so that particular airport had just switched over to um, LED lighting for the the runway lights. Mm-hmm. Um, but it having a, uh, we were talking with I think it was the airport manager, um, and interestingly though the um, they didn't they don't do that for the approach lights like the Malzer or the the rabbit lights because they can't get the timing right. There's like a slight um, delay with the LED yeah. lights. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was yeah, interesting. Yeah,
5: that's ex- you know, and that's it's funny you mention that stuff because that's exactly right. So, so approach lights and rabbits; those, those, those are just old-fashioned, old-school, uh, yep, old-school lights. But just the runway lights themselves are like ah, break,
2: break yeah. out and that's why as soon as you right. cross
4: the threshold, you're like, oh my gosh, I can't see all of a sudden. <laughs> exactly, and I was fine like right anything. until that Too point. Bright.
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you just think, okay, hang on. All right, uh, this. It's such a good video. Um, The TSA has the uh, special, probably the most important employees they have uh, who don't really get paid anything except for maybe dog treats. Um, They are, of course, the, uh, the sniffer dogs of the TSA. And after, I don't know how long their careers are, I don't know if they have to uh, retire at age sixty-five, or maybe that's sixty-five in dog years. I'm not sure, but um, they, at some point, uh, get old enough where you know they have to move out of the way for the you know, new uh, younguns to come in and do their sniffing duties. And uh, this is a little bit of a, it's a video um, regarding the uh, retirement of one of these uh, very um, amazing dogs and. It's very touching, mm-hmm. I think. Here we go. So the dog is sniffing around at this uh, roller board, and there are uh, balloons. <laughs> a bunch of um, a bunch of tennis balls uh, fell from like the <laughs> uh, sky, like confetti. Yeah. The dog. It was so funny. Let's watch that again. Uh, watch the uh, the tail of the dog uh, after having found the uh, the target uh, or whatever the thing it was supposed to find in the uh, in the roller board. There we go. Let's watch it again. It's worth watching again. Look at that. Look at that tail. It's
4: like yes, this is definitely yes. the good. Oh. Yes. <laughs> All the tennis balls. Like I can't do my job anymore though. Tennis balls. Got to play with the
2: tennis balls. Squirrel anyway so that that's so cute um and keeping along in the theme of um dogs uh this was sent in from one of our listeners named liz i don't know have you ever heard of her um mm-hmm. another dog story um he's, she said uh let's see a note where this happened nick has a drone doesn't he hmm. tell me liz i'm sorry uh, what does that mean
6: it happened in Hampshire, Hampshire? and I was oh. trying to draw your attention to the fact oh, that it yeah, could have been you, Nick.
2: You even uh, highlighted. She the, highlighted the, it for uh, you. But... For me, <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> I fine. see that. Thank you.
3: <sighs>
2: anyway, this is from the Guardian. A stranded dog saved from rising tide after rescuers attached sausage to a drone. <laughs> uh, team in Hampshire ties sausage, sausage to drone as last resort to rescue Millie, the Jack Russell, from the mudflats. And uh, do we see Millie yet, Uh, Liz, on the uh, slides? We have a little picture of Millie. Um, Ah, there's Millie. Uh, As the tide rose, it began to look perilous for Millie, the Jack Russell whippet cross, who had defied the efforts of police, firefighters, and coast guards to pluck her from treacherous mudflats. So the rescuers had to think imaginatively and came up with the idea of attaching a sausage to a drone and hoping the scent of the treat would tempt Millie to safety. It worked gloriously, and Millie has been reunited with her grateful owner after following the dangling sausage to higher, safer ground. There's a joke there somewhere. Millie Mm -hmm. disappeared after slipping her lead in Havant, Hampshire, and or haven't. Hampshire and after frantic public appeals was spotted on the mudflats in danger of being engulfed by the tide she resisted efforts to encourage her to a safer spot until a drone pilot suggested attaching food to one of the unmanned aerial vehicles that had been used to track the dog Chris Taylor said it's a crazy it was a crazy idea Uh, He was the uh, chair of the Denmead Drone Search and Rescue Team. But they pressed ahead, and after checking Civil Aviation Authority regulations, does it say anything about a sausage? No. All right. No, but it does say a lot about a dog. (laughs) And the uh, max uh, takeoff weight of their machines, the rescuers calculated, they could attach a single sausage to a drone. (laughs) Taylor said one of the local residents on the beach where we were flying from supplied us with the sausages. I think they were from Aldi. Oh, that's some great information here. The woman cooked them up for us and we attached them with a spring. String, I meant to say. Uh, To the joy of the rescuers, Millie took the bait. If we hadn't got her away from that area, the tide would have come in and she would have been at risk of drowning, said Taylor. It was something we had never tried before. The sausages were the last resort as we couldn't reach her by kayak or any other means. Because Millie was hungry, it worked at luring her away from the danger to higher ground, which wouldn't go underwater. We certainly would consider using sausages again. Every dog in search operations is always going to be different, but if we were ever in a similar situation again, we would employ the same methods to lure the dog. Uh, Though the sausage work... Skittish Millie raced off, raced off again, but was finally reunited with her owner, Emma Oakes. after being spotted inland from the marsh. She ran towards Oaks' father, Tony, and jumped into his arms. Anyway, what a happy ending for
5: Millie. All right, so if um, this whole sausage thing is—it's a fantastic idea. I, I use it all the time. The problem is, it only works once. If you want it to work a second time, you have to grill the sausage. If You wanted to work a third time, you have to add a little bit of cheese. Oh. If you wanted to work a fourth time, you have to do a uh, a, a red wine uh, vinaigrette Production.
4: reduction.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. So um,
5: it just uh, keeps getting the,
3: very
4: the palate evolves over time. It really exactly. becomes more refined. And if you don't
5: do it, exactly, if you don't do it, then you start getting uh, angry letters in the mail. Um, so. Um, yeah, this, We've already this, established this,
4: your very, dog is union,
5: yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, very, very much. It's, it's, <laughs> uh, it's local twenty three fifty car carrying. So uh, just, uh, just, just be aware. And, so it can uh, be problematic, and, uh, is what you're saying. Yes, a little bit, yes. Yeah.
3: Yes, <laughs> okay.
4: Yeah, I, I love uh, that they they said because she was hungry, it worked. I'm like, no, my dogs would just follow any salt. So-. Like they wouldn't well, even have to be hungry. They're yeah, like, I oh, mean, people a dogs food. always yes, hungry. Yes, right? I'm gonna follow this. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Eh, oh, not always, man. but.
2: Man, sausage yeah. is
4: kind of irresistible most yeah. of the time.
2: Feel free to well, use that clip. <laughs> keeping with the canines, uh, TSA canine, canines um, uh, theme, uh, here's a link. To, this is from Greg uh, Peterson, our big-ass fan. Uh, here's a link to this year's TSA canines calendar with Nick's and Rick's love for big dogs. I thought you guys might want to see this. And so, Oh, yeah. Here we go. We're gonna take a quick look at the 2022 uh, TSA Canines calendar, and uh, there's Jay Jackman, and uh, oh, there's a calendar, and Malu, and Marty. Oh, look and, at Marty. And, and oh, look at Zaro. Good looking. Wow. What is that? Is that a Malinois or is that a um, uh, it's a German Shepherd still. I think there's a okay.
5: single a single at the end there.
2: Okay. Halbert. Um, <laughs> it's a double Hilbert. H. H- um <laughs> <Hilbert. Hilbert. laughs> uh, Betta. Oh, she's cute. Oh, Lexi. No. Oh. Alona. Alona.
5: Look at Alona.
2: Ari oh. with a big something in his mouth.
5: Probably a uh, conk toy, yeah. Oh, there's another conk yeah. toy there. That's uh, Zara.
2: Zara? Zara? Okay. Zara. Zara, okay. How about Lexa Alexi? What kind of dog is that?
4: Long-haired German Shepherd.
2: Oh. Yeah, long-haired German Shepherd. I didn't recognize it. Okay. Mm. Uh, Badger. Oh,
5: look at that there's one. The there's the Melanoir the right there. Oh. Badger.
2: Oh, there's, those, those dogs are the best. <laughs> Rocky. Rocky. Not sure. Belgian
4: Tervuren. Oh, Not familiar with that dog breed. I know, no me neither. Tervuren. Tar, tar, can't read. Hmm. Yeah.
2: All right. So, so if you're still in
4: need of a 2022 calendar, you can get yourself a from the Canines Calendar.
2: Yeah, and yeah, I'll link to that in the show notes if you want to uh, check it out in more detail and possibly use that as a personal calendar for this year. Okay, and now we're going to skip to fourteen from Richard. And uh, now I have to apologize to Richard. He sent this in, and I saw it in our feedback. And I was thinking, oh, this is just the same thing that we talked about. I don't know, sometime last year, this F twenty two crash. And and then I uh, I was telling him that we had already covered it. He goes, oh, I didn't realize. I thought you didn't. You know, you you hadn't seen the latest. Um, update on the investigation of what exactly caused this crash. And so I went back and looked at it and went, oh, yeah, you're right, Richard. Sorry. Uh, put it back in our feedback. So he says, Hi, ABG, how simple mistakes can lead to a $200 million loss. Thanks for the great podcasts. And uh, the, the uh, article from uh, Air Force Times uh, says, Human error, tech glitches, and tape caused the may 2020 f-22 crash and we're watching on the video the result of that crash uh, a a pretty sad looking f-22 this next slide is the front end the business end of the well i don't know if it's a business end but the front end of an f-22 um let's see several mistakes include including maintenance pilot and technology errors plus a wayward piece of tape Compounded to cause the secretive May 2020 plane crash in Florida that totaled an F-22 Raptor fighter, according to the results of an Air Force investigation. Redacted results of a commander-directed inquiry into the $202 million incident. Ooh, those things are not cheap. Obtained by Air Force Times via the Freedom of Information Act sheds the most light so far on how the accident transpired for one of the Air Force's most advanced airframes. Air Force Times reported in October 2021 that the F-22 grew increasingly wobbly upon takeoff, then refused to turn left, and barrel-rolled into the ground after the pilot safely ejected. The service last year uh, said last year that a mismanaged wash caused the plane's demise, but didn't offer further details. It was one of nine major F-22 mishaps in fiscal 2020. Ooh. That's a lot. That's a big number for mishaps in one year. Um, The unnamed pilot involved in the May 15th, 2020 incident was a captain serving as the 43rd Fighter Squadron's assistant operations director. The 43rd Flying Squadron or Fighter Squadron is the only Air Force unit that provides initial and requalification training for active duty Air National Guard and Air Force Reserve F-22 pilots. Problems began... Two days earlier, when maintainers towed the advanced fighter jet in for its monthly wash to help prevent corrosion, a crew chief was tasked with managing the wash team of four maintainers to ensure they correctly cleaned the jet. The crew chief periodically checked in on their work but didn't stay throughout the process and inspected the plane once the wash was done, although he didn't really inspect it very well. According to the tech order uh, or maintenance manual, That tells airmen how to wash a Raptor. A supervisor needs to watch over and participate in that cleaning. But the only team member with training in that role didn't know who the designated supervisor was supposed to be. Neither did the other three airmen. Uh, Hurricane Michael, the Category 5 hurricane that forced F-22s to relocate from Tyndall to Eglin, was partly to blame. The discipline and standardization of conducting washes in this unit suffered when operations moved from Tyndall to Eglin after Hurricane Michael, according to the report. Um, Airmen saw no problems during routine pre-flight checks run before and after the day of the crash, though it's unclear how thoroughly the jet was inspected. They missed something crucial. Maintainers need to cover up electronics on the outside of the aircraft that would be damaged by water before they start a wash. But airmen left tape on a part of the F-22's air data system, known as a beta port, that no one caught before the jet took flight. Now, I'm going to pause here for a moment. There are probably several opportunities to catch something like this. And this is not something that's just you know, related to military jets. But the jets that uh, Rick and I fly uh, have static ports that you have to make sure are clear of any obstructions like tape because when they take a a jet uh, transport aircraft uh, somewhere to get washed, they uh, are using, you know, high pressure water or whatever you know, whatever they're using to wash the thing and they cover up these ports with tape and um, sometimes they forget to remove the tape and when we're doing our pre-flight walk around, that's one of the critical areas that we make sure is free and clear of any kind of uh, blocking or contaminant, and uh, so uh, that's what happened in this case. The, uh, yeah, the uh, the tape was uh, covering a beta port, and uh, but that's not, you know, the only problem here. Uh, while the jet was still on the runway, uh, the an alert popped up to tell the pilot that something was amiss with the flight control system. The pilot ignored it. And took off and started the climb. Uh, A new emergency procedure instituted for the F 22 just 15 days before the crash told pilots to abort takeoff if a flight control system advisory comes up during departure. Anyway, so I'm not going to read the entire thing. We're going to have this in the show notes because we're getting close. Well, we're actually past our three hour point at this point. But, um, so we in the flying community have a way of disseminating information and um, it can be through emails it can be through um, a dedicated uh, uh, pubs publication system on your efb or whatever and apparently there were some some holes in this system and it turns out that the incident pilot here hadn't seen this memo that says if you get this message, do not take off. Um and there was they've they well, proof uh, the the
4: question I have there is uh, they were getting, if they got that message before that wasn't part of their training? I guess they mm-hmm. changed the procedure on it or they left, left more autonomy to I those decisions. Guess, I I don't I know. I that just seems like, odd. It maybe. seems
2: like maybe this is something that they it was not uncommon to see and Uh, The pilot thought, well, that's just, I'm not, you know, it's not unusual to see this. No
4: problem. Yeah,
2: Yeah. I thought that too. And I I think that, you know,
7: they call it a flight control system advisory. So maybe it's something with it being an advisory as opposed to a warning. Like, hey, heads up, just,
4: you know, pay attention. Something might not be quite right here, but you're probably fine. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It it didn't say, oh, hey, if you take off, you're going to crash. Scary. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Or maybe it's like one of those messages that includes, it could be a whole bunch of different things going on. It could be anything. To like yep. little minor things to like a major thing like what happened here. But um, yep. anyway, so um, you know, just the simplest of things sometimes uh, can lead to a, what did it say, $102 million, $200 and something million loss. I forgot the 202, number. 202 I think it was. Wow. Yeah. And uh, But it's fortunately, of money. Uh, yeah. no... Uh, no life was lost. He successfully ejected uh, from the jet, but still, that's um, that's an expensive mistake. So, mm-hmm. and even with that,
7: uh, you know, a little further down in the report, they talk about how even with the tape being on the probe and the pilot ignoring the message, the airplane still could have possibly resolved the bad data input mm-hmm. if he would have kept the airplane in a certain flight. What do they envelope call it? on the takeoff happy zone
2: or something. They, yep,
7: they call it happy. yeah but the fact that he was, you know, the fact that he was taking doing like a more high performance takeoff than that envelope would allow
2: mm-hmm.
7: meant that the airplane couldn't identify and fix that problem fast enough.
2: Right, and and even I think there are some steps that pilots can take to kind of deactivate certain systems or sensors or whatever if that happens but as you said nick um the uh the airplane wasn't in its happy place and Mm. so it couldn't resolve the issue on its own and uh yeah we know what happened there pretty cool video showing it like just going out of control anyway if you Mm. want to read more of the details of this yes go ahead
5: I was going to say that's a load factor right there, but hey. Oh, yeah, that's a that
4: is some major load, load factor. factor. That, that load factor, it'll get you. Yeah,
2: yeah, it'll get you. Hey, let's just quickly do the, I know we're over time, but um, I think just to end this whole thing on a, on a, a happy note, uh, let's do 15. This is from Brent Loper, and he said, I thought I would share this for a laugh. Sorry, Liz, I'm kind of throwing this at you at the last minute, but if you can find that uh, cartoon... From our favorite cartoonist, Uh, uh, Gary Gary Larson. Larson. Uh, So it's a picture of an airplane that has lost uh, a a substantial part of the uh, top of its fuselage near the uh, front of the airplane over the cockpit, basically. And uh, we see this uh, (laughs) flight cap uh, being, uh, you know, ejected from the uh, cockpit area. And then uh, the captain says, oh, great, now there goes my hat. (laughs)
7: <laughs> yeah,
4: <laughs> that'll happen. So uh, del-
2: yep.
7: we yep. You don't think people do that? Uh, we've actually had that happen on the C forty seven. I think maybe a couple of times. Oh, really? Um, Someone's
4: lost yeah. their hat or not, lost part not of
7: the, the uh, fusel- yeah, not, not of the fuselage department, f- oh, okay. part of the airframe.
4: But, <laughs> okay, well,
7: but uh, guys oh, turning yeah. to look out the window and the
2: hat <laughs> getting sucked out. Great. There yeah. goes yeah. the hat. Yeah. Well, I guess the yeah. worst thing that could happen, it just gets all chopped up by the uh, propellers, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Not have to worry about getting ingested into a air intake of a jet. But, right.
3: Uh,
2: mm-hmm. All right. Well, with that, let's go ahead and wrap up the show. And uh, one of the things we always like to point you to is our website, airlinepilotguy.com, where there is lots of stuff. That you can be more informed about the crew, the community, the calendar, plane tales, more detailed information about that. If you read books, we have a library maintained by our librarian, Tiffany, merchandise, so much more. Just check it out, airlinepilotguy.com. And we're also on the social medias.
4: Hey, we are on the social medias. So we'll start with Facebook this time, um, facebook.com airlinepilotguy and if that's a bit too long form for you, you can check us out also on Twitter. We're at APG Crew, and I thought Rick was trying to like stop no, I was, speaking I there was, by I putting was, his hand I up was, to the. I was pulling Nick. <laughs> I was pulling Nick. Okay, fair
3: enough. for a change.
4: Uh, so we're at APG Crew. You can find our individual Twitter information pinned to the top of that page. Also on Instagram. Um, I really just need to be better about posting Nick's wonderful artwork there. But hopefully, you're watching the the um uh YouTube version of the show and you'll see it when we do it during the getting to know you and other uh, segments like that. But yeah. hopefully I'll get back to doing that at some point and I'll stop slacking. We're APG crew on Instagram as well. And speaking of slacking, um you got Hillel there with you in the uh
2: Best slacker in the world. I don't know Let me see oh, he's uh, there. He made it he's all the way there. out to Rapid City. There. Hey hey hello Hello can you do slack?
5: okay, but I'm dripping
2: wet. Well, you know, it's okay. Just come on over here and tell us all about Slack. APG listeners, please join us on our Slack team. Slack is a communication, coordination, and sharing platform that works on your mobile, laptop, or browser. On Slack, we share news and ideas. We suggest episode and plain tales topics. We plan events and meetups. To get into the Slack team, please email me at slack at airlinepilotguy.com That's S-L-A-C-K Sierra Lima Alpha Charlie Kilo at
0: airlinepilotguy.com Or send me a tweet with your preferred email address to at Hillel and I'll send you an invitation. That's Hillel spelled Hotel India 11 echo one and see you in Slack.
2: Hey Hillel, do me a favor. Put some pants on or something. It's caught in my zipper, Jeff! <laughs> <laughs> And does he have a South Dakota uh, ID now as well? <laughs> yeah. He was here and just driving all around Rapid City. You know. <laughs> uh, he's, he's my pal. Anyway, um, also, we want to thank our producer director, Liz. From Toronto. Thanks, Liz. Yay, Liz. You're just a blessing for all thank of us. Thanks, everybody. All all right. And with that, time now to end this thing by saying, wishing you all clear skies, unlimited visibility, and talents. Take care and goblets. Cheers, y'all. We'll see you next time.
4: Bye, everybody.
2: Thanks, everybody.
3: Yeah, he's up in the sky. It's the airline pilot guy. beep.
0: Good day.
8: such a good, good pilot Till I started APG I opened doors for little old ladies I helped them to their seats
3: Airline, not a guy I fly a metal oh, airline
8: i got no friends cause I'm always flying I just don't have the time But I can land this old plane I can land it just
3: fine Airline pilot guy I fly a major Airline pilot guy